Bling Blong, everyone. Our new podcast miniseries, Talking Mission Hill, is now exclusively on Patreon. Put on your spicy pants every Friday with a new podcast covering each episode of the cult series from Simpsons legends Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. $5 subscribers at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons can hear every episode, plus all of our previous miniseries about Futurama, King of the Hill, and The Critic. So don't be a Beardsley. Sign up for Talking Mission Hill today. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast with a pro-moth anti-horse agenda. I'm your host, Fiberglass Tree resident Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who is here with me today? It's Henry Gilbert, and I believe this family already had a horse. Very true. And who do we have on the line? Uh, Chris Cabin, pretty lousy president. <laughs> and today's episode is Saddlesore Galactica. Anybody care what this guy thinks? No! That is the response to our podcast. <laughs> uh, today's episode aired on February 6, 2000. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, boy, Bobby. The final episode of Sliders airs. Mm. Scream 3 is released in theaters. And The Sims hits the PC. So quite quite a fun day in the year 2000. Oh, The Sims is out. Yes, the the game The Sims finally hit. Like the originally seen as like, oh, The Sim City spinoff. I'm sure it's cute and all that actually far, far, far surpassed the popularity of Sim City. And there are still uh, new Sims games today. Mm. And I always play those when I'm very depressed because they're the perfect <laughs> meritocracy simulator. Uh, if you work hard, you will succeed. It's uh, That's the good news out of all like the, the remembering Slider's ending. That was a tragedy for me. <laughs> Scream 3 was also a tragedy for me. Was and then Sims I love. Was Slider's down to just one of the lesser O'Connells at that point? I believe uh, John Reese davies was uh, unceremoniously killed. He was yes. killed with a bullet through the portal. <laughs> <laughs> um, that got to him at the next place. Uh, and then, yeah, I think, I forget, uh, is it like Jack O'Connell or something like that? Yeah, he's in there in season. I was a light watcher of Sliders. I didn't see every episode. And I definitely didn't watch the fifth season that was only on Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, I only watched the Fox run of Sliders. <laughs> but, uh, so I didn't know until looking this up about, like, one, the final episode of Sliders is an unresolved cliffhanger. Because they thought they, which still I think Slider fans have gotten no closure on. But also I had forgotten that the season five begins with Jerry O'Connell's character merging with a fraternal twin version of himself from another universe, which is how they recast him. So it's like, well, oh. technically Quinn is still here, but now he's Mallory, this that's other creative. guy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's some actual putting some effort into it and not just be like, uh, yeah, it's the same guy. Yes. And, uh, and just have somebody new in it. So Scream 3 is out too, correct? Oh, On this yeah. day in history. And, and I believe this is the movie that brought uh, Jay and Silent Bob into the Screamiverse. It's true. Yes. Okay. They, I forgot to all... get killed in that. No, it's just a 19 second scene. I looked it up on YouTube. They... Like, hey, Silent Bob, <laughs> it's Jeffrey Weinstein. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. They uh, they pass by Courtney Cox's character and they say, like, hey, look, Silent Bob, it's Mitch Young. Hey, how's Maury doing? 
doing? And then uh, Courtney Cox gives them the middle finger and walks away. So I only watched that because I was a big Kevin Smith fan in 2000. Mm-hmm. He would pay them back for this by doing the Scream 4 joke in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back the next year. And you know what? I, I apologize. I can buy the names of two perverts. Like Jeffrey Weinstein is like the ultra pervert. We have oh, not reached God. that part of uh, our dark timeline yet. So Harvey Weinstein and Jeffrey Epstein, different people. Yes. But they're... similarly, huge monsters. I mean, they're in photographs together, too. You can yeah. find those. Yeah. So they're funny. I mean, getting those two in the Sliders universe, that and if they had come together, that would have really been a nightmare universe. <laughs> what if they did the Dragon Ball Z fusion dance? and became uh, one <laughs> super pervert. That Jane Silent Bob appearance, it, I mean, it was because of the Weinsteins. Like, the uh, Scream was made by Dimension Films, which was Bob yep. Weinstein's production side. And then the Miramax did all of the Kevin Smith movies. And that was Harvey's side. So it just been listening to the audiobook version of Disney War. And I just have to groan, like, every chapter. It's like, man, Harvey Weinstein is, I'm like, god damn, every monster is, is listening. <laughs> This thing. Uh, but but the movie Scream 3, I barely remember it. I just remember, like, I remember Jamie Kennedy's character gets to return because they find a videotape of him saying, hey, if a third thing ever happens, these oh. are the rules of a third movie. Mm. It's It was just, they, they moved it to Hollywood, so a lot of it was meta, and I just wanted to die. <laughs> Which I think lines up a lot with the episode we're here to talk about. I, I, <laughs> I recall it being about the filming of a movie based on the events of Scream. Yes. Yep. 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 That's right. I thought oh, so. Uh, it's all flashing back to me now. It's all <laughs> rushing in. Uh, but, oh, man. But I, I, last thing about The Sims, though, I played that so much. Just the first one. Me, too. Like, the first one was the one I uh, was obsessed with over a long, depressing summer of 2000. <laughs> and sorry, spring as well. It was a depressing year in general for me. Mm-hmm. What's the who's the goth girl everybody dates in their first playthrough of Original Sims? Oh, like the, uh, I I forget that I, I know they had like placeholder names yeah. for a lot of like the characters they drop into your neighborhood. All my friends were like, "Oh, this is the first neighbor you meet. I'm gonna try to have sex with his wife." Like, <laughs> that's the, that was how many of my friends played that game. Though it was, I mean, it was a big deal for me and my uh, my pals too because you could be gay in Sims, which in a right. 2000 video game you never could do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So huh. it, it was a fun, it was a fun little dollhouse. I've I had several coworkers in the video game world who were like hardcore Sims players. Who I had one friend who, as a test, she wanted to see what was the closest to incest you could get away with in the game, <laughs> and they're like, well, she got worked it out to like a fifth or sixth cousin. You could have that many generations of Sims, and like, well, they're fifth cousins. They will, the game will let them have sex. But. Yes, asking the hard-hitting questions in Sims. <laughs> I had, uh, like, the principal Skinner approach to playing Sims, where my, my favorite part of the game is building the house. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yes, the kitchen is in the right place. I would I would be a real rule monger about those games with my friends, because they would just do, like, the cheats to be like, no, I'm building every single thing I want in the house. I'm like, but you start with a certain amount of money. That's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> Don't cheat. Uh, but but anyway, hey, Chris Cabin, yes. welcome back. Hey. Joining us today, hey guys. Chris Cabin of We Hate Movies. So we're recording this way in advance. So this is July uh, 31st, by the way. And as of this recording, you guys just finished the great miniseries Melrose 210, which I've really enjoyed over the mm. past five months. And you've also just recorded your 500th episode. It's not out as of this recording, but it will have been out for a while when you're hearing this live. Yes, indeed. And uh, thank you about the uh, Melrose 210. It was just kind of something we put together for this uh, pandemic thing we're going through and we'll be going through for probably another year or so. Mm-hmm. It's going to be coming back 
back eventually on our Patreon, but it was, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed in particular your hatred of the character Jim Walsh. <laughs> the Ooh, father of the father of the Walsh clan. Ugh, awful, awful human being. Like just obsessed with his son in like the most creepy ways imaginable. It's it, it drives me nuts. And in case our listeners don't know, uh, Melrose Two One Zero is a series where uh, in the beginning, uh, twice a week, you'd go through one episode of Nine Hundred Two One Zero, one episode of Melrose Place, and then starting in June, you just do one a week. And there's uh, quite a few episodes out there for people on the We Hate Movies free feed. I really recommend it. It's been a, a real treat and. Yeah. Uh, at times, it reminded me of what day it was during the week when you guys were doing it twice a week. Oh, it's Thursday. Okay. I guess that it's makes good sense. To have a, it's good to have a basic service like that, just to remind you. Chris, yeah. What uh, do you recall seeing the season 11, this controversial season 11 episode uh, when it was new? Uh, I actually don't. I think the last one in season 11, because season 11 was definitely when I stopped watching weekly. And I think the last one I re- remember very clearly watching uh, on its premiere date was the uh, Food Critic episode. Mm, okay. When he becomes the Food Critic. I, like, I remember seeing the Mel Gibson episode a-, a couple times, but that's the last one where I remember. I was like, I remember very specifically sitting down with my mom to watch the Food Critic episode. After that, it's kind of a blur, mm. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but for me, this one, I did not like at the time. I think i've come to like it more watching it now though i don't think this is like the best episode of season 11 even uh but yeah this i remember being mad about this episode back in 2000 i've grown to not hate it this is a weird period of the show and in my life because like the spring of 2000 is when a lot of notorious episodes aired so there was the uh you know mod flanders dying there's this one there's the spring break one all like very notorious episodes in the simpsons fan community happening in the spring of 2000 also in the spring of 2000 i went through my first serious breakup with a girlfriend so i was just like on the floor depressed and also playing the sims when i could sit upright so i just remember like everything is bad and now the simpsons are disappointing me like what is going on so Uh, i recall this uh er this era very vividly in my life and uh yeah like this is one of the most hated episodes and i feel like upon this 2020 rewatch um i don't think it's uh amazing but i was laughing throughout and i don't think it deserves reputation that it has it's just it's right next to one of the most notorious episodes ever no sorry it, it's the most notorious episode ever uh, alone again yeah. naturally yeah with next week's episode the mod death one i think that this was like a one-two punch for a lot of viewers and that that is how i felt then uh not that i like love this episode uh, i don't want that to say like oh i've rediscovered like this is my new favorite episode but i at least go like you know what that was a funny joke they packed <laughs> this with a lot of funny jokes i thought even though they literally spit in our faces directly in this episode well not literally i used yeah. that wrong but they, <laughs> they they are directly attacking the fans in this episode like intentionally that's true so uh to make it even rougher i think probably probably didn't make them any friends on no homers i think either i i think that for me it was uh like because they had made fun of their fans before but this one felt a little bit more petty mm. like I, I don't know if i had really like and if this was me just coming back to it it, it, it like i barely remember this episode like what come back to it, I, was like, I definitely have seen this one before but I don't remember like the little like the the whole musical number with the jockeys. Nothing could not remember. <laughs> didn't remember any of it. And even the Margaret Cho joke, I thought I would remember that immediately. But nope, had well, no idea about it. And then to me, this is an episode where I first felt the thing going from 
this felt like an episode written by a computer that had watched all the other episodes. Hmm. <laughs> That's where I landed with it last night. I think so. I like when I uh, when the DVDs were coming out. This one's probably like around two thousand eight, two thousand nine. A lot of the episodes I would put on the commentary, and I would just think in my head, "Explain yourself." Like, <laughs> what were you thinking during this? And this is a very interesting uh, commentary because Matt Groening in the beginning, he's not on a lot of uh, these latter commentaries, but he sits down. And he's like, you know what? For whatever reason, I've never seen this episode mm -hmm. and they're like oh, really wow so they're they're sitting with him and all the things you would think would make him mad are not making him mad mm -hmm. and then at the end he's like that was great yeah yeah so <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, unexpected from him because all the things the animals are doing, because he's a bit, he's not a fan of animals not acting like animals. It and, breaks a lot of graining rules yeah. in this one. Yeah. He says at the beginning, too, he acknowledges, like, I've been told I'd really hate this episode. Like, so he knew the reputation of Saddlesaur Galactica yeah. long before he did it. Uh, and I, saw I, it. I really like Chris's observation that it feels like it's written by an AI because uh, one of my notes is this feels like a burlesque version of John Swartzwelder. Like, he is not writing this <laughs> script. But they're like, they're like, what would John Swartzwelder do? And they don't have his same brain or like mindset. So they're doing similarly wacky things, but not in the same spirit, mm. I think. It's like somebody trying. I, I Josh Weinstein had said to us, like, he had described a one of these scripts, uh, of a John Swartzwelder script as like a Swiss watch. And if you twink, tinker with it too much, you can't pull it back together again. And this then in that, uh, that way, I think it feels like a knockoff of a Swiss, wa Swiss watch. You're like, well, I sort of know how all these watches come together. And I'm an all right watchmaker myself. It's a genuine Ronex watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think too, the, this episode is just so punchy. It feels like late season tired writer writing because of how inconsistent most characters are act and how there's just uh, a lot of just pure insanity and just like shrugged shoulders like oh stuff's crazy what are you gonna do like there's there's a lot of that i you mentioning that commentary too bob that all these commentaries i think uh, helped bring me into the simpsons fan i am now because we were all like we didn't know any of this behind the scenes stuff we didn't know any of this creative stuff and you had all these unanswered questions then once you go to the commentaries and get the answers you have new questions or you have to recalibrate your whole brain about it and that's i think that's what maybe listening to this commentary is the changing point in my me too opinion on this episode though again it's still but i kill the alligator and run i am looking forward to doing that one because that one really was i'm like i just never liked that one mm -hmm. when it aired and maybe i'll like it more now and just hate the kid rock moments but i i do find this to be symbolic of what happened to simpsons in the aughts because season 10 is where I start, like, it starts faltering. Like, I see a couple episodes that I'm like, it's not quite punching at its weight again. This is where I feel like you go from having a, a, a uh, you know, depending on what kind of episode it is, either a subtle or a very strong emotional backbone to everything, to it being mostly about the jokes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that takes them, like, to one side. Like, it, it was a balancing act before in the 90s between having heart and having, like, a good emotional backstory to everything and just rapid-fire big jokes. Uh, this is where I feel like they go all the way only to big jokes, and then they've been building themselves back to having heart and emotional backbone the since then. Like, I feel like you only get that when during the Obama years. Do they kind of become even sentimental again? 
I think so. Yeah, when Al Jean comes comes back to the show after this, I feel like they are working back towards becoming sentimental. But around this time, we said this a lot in these years. Like South Park is the biggest animated show. Yep. Uh, the movie had just come out, and I think they're feeling a lot of heat. Like that is the new hot thing. What are they doing? Oh, there's mm-hmm. no sentimentality. It's all mean spirited. Yeah. No one learns anything. So I feel like the South Park was a bad influence on The Simpsons in a way, just because it was <laughs> such a big part of pop culture at the time. Well, and and we know they were being told by Fox execs like you know. Family Guy's cheaper and newer than you guys. Like they, nope. I don't think they. I think some Simpsons writers hate Family Guy, but I don't want to say they all hate Family Guy. But I definitely think the the competition was even being stoked not just by fans but by Fox executives in their lives. And it was all about like not being like you know being too sensitive to like like I can see where people wouldn't like the Margaret Cho joke or like the jockeys elf thing like i can see where that's a little south park that's a little family guy e but like south park also you know for all of its flaws you know the friendship between at least stan and kyle they put some effort into that Mm -hmm. there was some there was some warmth to it Mm -hmm. uh even with kenny and stuff like that so like I, i see the family guy a lot more in this than i do see the south park i guess Though they make, there's a great point on the commentary too, where they they kind of call out South Park for stealing their, not exactly stealing, but they're just like the reveal of the elves is pretty much a crab people ending on oh, South yeah. Park of just like oh you didn't see that coming kind of thing. Yeah, but they but they did it like years before South Park really did that kind of oh didn't see that coming kind of ended it is a real ass pull uh before getting to the show though i want to talk about the new director for talking simpsons or the simpsons rather uh lance kramer a very easy bio to go over because 90 percent of his bio is at the simpsons so uh he appears to have gotten his start as a storyboard artist on garfield and friends in 1992 made by film roman so i assume it was very easy to go to the simpsons because his first role there was storyboard assistant on whacking day he went away for a bit came back as an assistant director on her K. Nettie and has been consistently employed since then as either an assistant director or a director. So uh, yeah. he's been doing a lot on the show for the past 26 years now. Based on all of his credits, I, I'm assuming the situation is that he is one of their like key assistant directors and when there is an opening for like one episode a season sometimes two he'll come in and be the director but he he mostly seems to be more an assistant director like storyboard revisionist like he's he does a lot of high level jobs at simpsons but uh and i mean watching this episode though like he's a really the animation does not fail this episode it's, you know? it's really well animated all the horse yep. stuff and also all like the character acting seems Seems to be above par on this episode for whatever reason. I felt that a lot with when they get to the fair. Like I, I like fair episodes in The Simpsons because they get it gives it so much uh, diversity and the different colors they're going to use and the different setups they have in there. Like just having like the uh, Omnigogs and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, like we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, I, I did notice that, but this is is. This isn't Tim Long's first episode, right? Uh, no, it is no. not. He's, okay. I think, last season. He is a season ten hire, I believe. Okay, uh, but he's a yeah, Canadian. Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> he was mean to one of our friends. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, he actually was. <laughs> he said it, he said a not nice thing on a commentary about uh, Simpsons comics. Yeah, which was not nice. First episode was a segment on uh, Simpsons Bible stories last mm. season. I just have a general pro. I, you know, I, this is probably unfair, but like you work with Bill Maher. Eh. Oh, <laughs> yes. Generally, yeah. eh. <laughs> he's insufferable. Truly, he's. Well, I mean, Bill Maher thinks 
by hating Republicans and smoking pot, he is the most left wing a person can be. When it's like, you no, you're actually quite conservative and also yeah. awful. Oh, but yeah, about Lance Kramer, the other, yeah, the compliment on this, like, if you talk to most animators, they would probably say animating a horse is one of the hardest things to do. Yes. And here they have to animate not just one horse, but many horses. Yeah, several horse races. Seasons. And then on top of that, they have to do the also very difficult thing of a musical sequence. Yeah. Like, that's it's a ton of extra work i i did see that kramer he did like a couple 2011 futuramas he was yeah he like was three on of late them. futurama but pretty much otherwise just a simpsons lifer all the people from the first decade most of them usually come in and out of the show you know like david silverman as a as a prime example or they end up going to king of the hill or some other similar show but you know kramer is one of those guys who's like no 28 years i think i think his first production one uh, whacking day aired 93 he probably started 92 so 28 years he's been working on the show you can start and end your career at the simpsons it's that yeah. uh, long running <laughs> his linkedin yeah. is very boring too it's just it's three credits just <laughs> simpsons simpsons and garfield <laughs> i think i empathize most with guys like that who just are like this is going to be my career like this is where i work now and like unless some amazing thing comes my way this is what i'll be doing with my life I guess I kind of like, like that. Yeah, jobs used to be like that. You could actually have a yeah. job for that long. <laughs> yeah, and it just doesn't happen anymore. Well, and in the animation world, you know, steady employment is not something you can really count on. You know, you work on your show until the show's over or, or that it goes into hiatus and you're not paid during hiatus. So you either wait or you get another job. But, you know, the show's at least for, for Lance Kramer, it's a long term recur. Like you can just stay there and stay. And it's a, a good paying deal for him. The Simpsons will be right back. I hope you're going the distance with us this week as we did with our guest Chris Cabin of the We Hate Movies podcast. Always great to have him on. Huge thank you to him. Follow him on Twitter and check out the We Hate Movies podcast. And if you'd like to be a supporter of us, you should be checking out patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. In case you didn't know, me and Bob do this full time as our real ass jobs. And that's only because of the awesome support of listeners like you at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. That support also gets you a bunch of extras on top of the two weekly podcasts, What a Cartoon and Talking Simpsons that me and Bob do. Why you get to hear next week's episode of Talking Simpsons right now and without ads like this one. Same for What a Cartoon. Plus, you get access to dozens of original, exclusive to Patreon podcasts where me and Bob do the same Talking Simpsons style discussions, but about series like The Critic, King of the Hill, Futurama, and Mission Hill. Coming next month, we're going to be doing more episodes of Talking Futurama. That's only for our Patreon subscribers. Please consider signing up for five bucks a month to support me and Bob and to get a ton of exclusive content.
But if you want something as fancy as a bowl of pearls for breakfast, then you need to sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons for some incredible exclusives. Not only do you get all the $5 things I just talked about, but you also get each month our What a Cartoon Movie podcast, a podcast only for $10 and up subscribers where for up to four hours, me and Bob talk about an animated feature film in the Talking Simpsons style. This month, we're doing the Aladdin sequel, Return of Jafar. That's a lot of fun the month before that we did 1995's ghost in the shell and we have a huge back catalog over a hundred hours of previous podcast topics that include spider-man into the spider-verse kiki's delivery service aladdin a goofy movie beavis and butthead do america tons 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 more so much great content you can only hear if you're at the premium level so please consider signing up for 10 bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons Yeah, I guess uh, let's start with the episode then. The the karate couch gag, I just wanted to mention that because it does seem uh, out of place in that Homer isn't injured at the end of it. Like Homer actually just does a cool like karate move and pull out the remote control and start the TV. (laughs) It's a very rare when Homer is not injured uh, or murdered in a couch gag. (laughs) Uh, I think on the commentary, Scully even calls out like, boy, Homer just uh, can't win in these couch gags. (laughs) (laughs) Always always gets hurt. And then the episode begins with season one superstar, Mr. Largo, getting a lot of lines. His most uh, spoken line since probably uh, Lisa's date with Density, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think so. And even then, that was like a few... He has way more lines in this than he did in uh nobody likes millhouse uh they also even give him an interesting character trait of like he just loves john philip Sousa and only john philip Sousa uh music uh but lisa isn't as much of a fan i hate to be a killjoy but do you really think we can win playing stars and stripes forever it's so beginner band and we're advanced beginner band this is band very well, Lisa. What rousing Susan March would you have us play? Well, I thought maybe for once we could play a song that wasn't written by Susa. You mean something just arranged by Susa? No, something fresh and bold. <laughs> well, darling, you have lost me. How about something cool? Like Camptown Races? Hey, Grandpa, the Civil War's over. How about Little Brown Jug? <laughs> ya ha ha, he he he, Little Brown Jug, how I love thee! Oh, stop with your devil music. Lisa, this is all your fault. Hey, the blonde broad's got a point. We need something with a little ring-a-ding-ding. Take your arm off me. Oh, this kitten's got claws. Okay, we'll do a different song. Who cares? They all end up sounding the same anyway. <laughs> what a fruit fly. So this sets up what you <laughs> think. It really is. A little <laughs> shocking from that little Sinatra boy. Uh, I, I guess Frank Sinatra yeah. was homophobic, so it's accurate. But, but this, uh, these years are all about sticking it to Lisa. What a little whiner she is. Uh, yeah. uh, and you think this is going to be a Lisa episode, but it ends up being an episode about how Lisa can't stop complaining about things. <laughs> it's She really gets it right. Especially like her first line is like, I hate to be a killjoy. But it's like, I, I feel like that's them saying like, no, Lisa loves to be a killjoy. All she does is complain. Uh, I feel like that was what I was missing is that it isn't really about any like it she complains a lot yeah that is kind of the episode 
and like you you would think like the whole it would structure around her like learning to like enjoy what you do just even if it isn't if it is Sousa every day or something like that but like it isn't it's just a bunch of like ah, i don't like this ah, i don't like this i don't <laughs> uh, like this well the, the the core lesson in this for lisa is supposed to be what marge says to her but then it has this like ridiculous ending that is where the president shows yeah. up at their home yeah oh, god so it's uh, this could be the start of an actual like you know l- real lesson that uh, but the, a wholesome kind of lesson even about like hey you know sometimes life's not fair or whatever but uh, instead this is just Lisa whining until she gets what she wants because I mean I don't want to think there's too much sexism to it but it does seem like about how feminists complain too much about stuff until they get their way mm-hmm. and I mean we are it in the era reading on that. This is the era of like the man show and stuff like that. Very much so. Like pushing yeah. back against feminism in the 90s. So I can see this being an echo of uh, that mm. kind of sentimentality or sentiment rather. And also like Largo has never been this effeminate before <laughs> too. They're really playing oh, come up. come on. Ew, a, a bug. I <laughs> guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, but especially like it's like, oh, well, honey, you've just lost me. Like that especially. I was like, boy, that's a very gay reading for Largo. And then that he's called a fruit fly at the end. I'm like, I, I had honestly, I thought I had remembered at least much of this episode. But the Frank Sinatra kid, I was like, what the <laughs> hell? I, <laughs> I think the Frank Sinatra kid was sent to the, was expelled in the same day that that Rex kid was the, right. the acting boy little acting uh, boy someone's got to you you deceitful cow yeah now that's Rex not Stewie Griffin I was doing there but it, the fruit flag uh, thing it, it went into like I, I got a yellow meter I didn't go full red I was like wait a minute what mm-hmm. about that but my thing with Largo is that I just always forget who he is because it usually is so long in between his episodes where he gets something to do that like I just blank out. Yeah, again, he's one of those big season one characters they had uh, big plans for, which is why he's embedded in the opening, Mm -hmm. but just they couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out who he was and like what could make him funny. Yeah, when we did season one, I noted that like, Lisa refers to Miss Hoover, but you don't see her. I think they originally thought like Bart's antagonist is Miss Krabappel and Skinner, and Lisa's antagonist is going to be Mr. Largo. When they're go- they're not going to go to Lisa's classroom, they're going to go to Lisa in the band because it's going to be all about her playing music. And then by season two, they're like, Nah, Lisa needs to be in the classroom. We don't. We've done every music playing joke we can think of with her. It needs to be her about doing good in class. I I guess I also just didn't relate because my, all my music teachers were like they all looked like john oliver when he joined the daily show <laughs> like they weren't old guys like they were young guys who were like into death cab for cutie and like knew what the new uh musicals going on were and like wanted to get talk to you about that stuff and you were just like eh, shut up and <laughs> wow. like i didn't have this older guy who was like really into like older music oh, my my music teacher in grade school was an effeminate middle-aged man <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine was i took band for two years so some of these band jokes uh remind me of it uh, that experience and my music teacher was kind of a largo figure though he he had a wife and kids like kids who actually went to school with us which i felt really bad for those kids but he was a like mega dork who had control over his little fiefdom of the <laughs> band room uh i remember one day when we had a substitute which substitute in band is like you just can't do anything like so you just watch a video and we put on mr holland's opus we watched that in my uh music appreciation <laughs> class 
I can't yeah, believe too. that shit. <laughs> and well, for us, there was a joke. So the Mr. Holmes opens, if you haven't seen it, is about a school band teacher played by Richard Dreyfus. And there's a scene early in the movie where him and his wife, he's like, it's his first day, and he then has sex with her, and and she has some line of like, Oh, you ever imagine your uh, band teacher getting lucky? <laughs> and every this is middle school, we're hearing this, and we all just like out loud go, like we'd we never had to think of our band teacher having sex until Mr. Holland's opus had to have a joke about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Frank Sinatra kid. There's a couple times in this where I think they're critic jokes that we every time a joke comes up like this, I like is this a season three critic joke that's being reused here? Because uh, they they wrote multiple scripts for a season three of Critic that was never produced and. Uh, there's they've never released those scripts anywhere and i often have the sneaking suspicion that algene you mm. know goes like ah eh, these jokes aren't being used let's just put them in simpsons uh, they'd go to waste otherwise the audience will love sinatra boy <laughs> sinatra boy and then well actually yes then the next scene at the state fair of homer pretending to be a vietnam veteran that also feels like a critic joke to me who would be doing that though jay jay wouldn't jay. do that Man, you don't think I, no i don't, I don't think so <laughs> maybe his father no 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 yeah i can't think of why yeah who would do it well this vietnam glory stealing does feel like a, a gene and reese three or four kind of simpsons mm, yeah joke i can see that me. like the any vietnam jokes in general feel like they're <laughs> from that era i just yeah. imagine them coming in look we got used jokes here you know they're, they're fresh off let's <laughs> just throw them anywhere they're still good throw them anywhere in this yeah come on still, still good. good still good <laughs> dust them off well also the bringing up of like LaChoy and Chung King and Margaret Cho, the use of words you know that sound that could stand in for Vietnam villages, that also feels like a very criticy kind of joke yeah. to me. Too. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Chung King is defunct. LaChoy uh, still going strong, probably because that that LaChoy dragon, right? Yeah, the, uh, the good old LaChoy dragon. I I just bought uh, when I was buying new soy sauce. I seriously bought LaChoy soy sauce because I watched the old jim henson commercials of la joy dragon those those are some of the funniest things jim henson ever did i'm not lying i predicted it and i was correct owned by conagra foods oh it's all man they own every i i'm shocked conagra hasn't been bought by a bigger thing by now and then also to let you know this is uh a season 11 episode marge her entire story is buying household products like it is a woman shopping and not just shopping but for cleaning supplies though at least there's i think marge is really funny in this episode she's great yes i, I do like how uh, how wacky they make her in a realistic <laughs> way for her character yep the uh there's some good jokes these though these jokes also kind of feel like her hunt for a franchise at the franchise fair yeah <laughs> these these fun products i, I do like i do like all of them actually like especially it's like what what do the miracle shears do outside of uh damage they're, they're like the mini jaws of life basically right? yeah they actually seem yeah. incredibly dangerous to own <laughs> and and the beetle that eats clogs and turns into a butterfly i like that too uh well i i wish though then that the omnigogs were being sold by royce mccutcheon oh man he needs to come back <laughs> it's it's like Royce McCutcheon's brother, you know. <laughs> that gog money is mine. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, this also has another great little joke in it. Folks, how often have you opened your morning paper only to have the rubber band fly off and hit you right in the eye? Never, but it's my number one concern. Well, with the Omnigog system, those worries are a thing of the past. Oh. <gasps> I'm all right, folks. Thanks to my Omnigogs. <laughs> a little late for Lenny. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, man, and Lenny is like MVP of season 11 so far. Mm-hmm. And this is the first of his many eye injury gags. Oh, no, the spring. The spring came before yes, this, the right? the spring did yeah. catch it from oh, springy, the Springfield spring. Yeah. And then it was it was near his eye but the coin in his forehead uh yeah. that was uh last season as well but they they have the love affair of lenny is truly begun here just the saying of like it's not just that seeing lenny is funny you have to say the name lenny, lenny yeah. in the live not lenny there's a lot yeah. of heat on lenny for the uh the springfield awards a lot of heat on lenny yeah <laughs> Uh, so much Lenny and just seeing him with his like looking sad with his eye patch like that's it's a funny drawing I, I and also that that rubber band even though it protected his eye it makes him fall back like five feet like that's how powerful the rubber band is I, I love that too then we have more of Mike Scully classic rock comedy here. Yes, uh, Bachman Turner yeah. Overdrive, known for uh, what? What song did they sing in here? I completely escaped my Take memory. Take care of business, Take TCB, care of business. and also you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, uh, all both yep. used in like car dealership commercials for the past thirty years. <laughs> it's it's made uh, Bachman and Turner so much money, and they they bought many overdrives with the with the cash they made there. <laughs> I mean, this is right up. This is after the Bachman Turner split, correct? <laughs> yes. So I I fell down a rabbit hole of Bachman Turner Overdrive uh, history for this but uh, yeah in uh, they had multiple breakups and uh, it was mainly between Randy Bachman and Fred Turner who are the two voices you hear in this episode and for a time Randy Bachman would not work with the rest of the band he did solo stuff and Fred Turner got a replacement in the band whose name was also Randy <laughs> uh, and put out a call for uh, musical Randys <laughs> and they toured as BTO like like just that was their name. We're BTO. And yep. and uh, Bachman actually, Randy Bachman actually got pretty pissed because he's like, so you guys go to towns. You say, hey, come and see PTO. You say, Fred Turner in interviews can go like, yeah, me and Randy still, and we're singing the song. <laughs> this is like a Gallagher 2 situation <laughs> happening here. Uh, and <laughs> and so in this episode, they got these two. If you were a BTO super fan, you're probably like, whoa, they're back together, Randy and Fred. But uh, we find out on the comment. <laughs> they were recorded separately and they had to like uh, deal with this drama to make up a non-existent in 2000 dual appearance of fred turner and randy bachman on stage to sing bto song no i mean it was truly like the american mccartney lennon split <laughs> except for we never really got to learn what turner was doing solo like i kind of wish that uh another famous simpson joke like when it's all the second best uh musicians with lisa <laughs> yeah and like and i'm like i'm like what what how did we not know if turner or bachman was the true genius between behind these two classic songs that's, i kind of want to know that's for history to decide i guess uh after they pass away we can finally judge them <laughs> in their work dig through the tapes dig yeah. through the tapes uh, find some information here but do you guys know where they go when they're done touring uh, where back to Winnipeg <laughs> because they because they're from Winnipeg. They, they are. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I was looking at their discography. Not that prolific. Like eighty four between eighty four and ninety six, there was nothing. And ninety six was sort of just like a hastily assembled album, from my research. Yeah, I mean, they uh, Homer's insistence here in the in the clip I'll play is is the correct thing you're just like no don't play your new things i came here for two songs i want to hear the thing i hear on the radio sung at me and that's all i want and i feel like there was a lot of overlay between uh them and 38 special who do (laughs) hang on loosely like i feel everybody kind of mixed up all those songs at once 
Yeah, like I don't even know what genre of rock this is. Uh, I don't I know mean, if there's dad rock. It is that's, dad that's rock, but like which which variety? But uh, they they are the perfect band for a county or sorry, a state fair. Yes, yeah, not a not some yeah. boring county fair, a state fair. It's kind of like a post Skinnerd Southern rock. Mm, like yeah. after the politics have been drained out of it, and it's just about like getting drunk and hanging out all day. <laughs> like w- that's kind of what it felt like to me. It's about working overtime and then working out. Like it's, exactly. it's working class dads are yeah, into this. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's perfect. Like it's five o'clock time. It's five o'clock on Friday. Let's hear them jam on your drive home. And I'll be taking care of it. Like it's just fun. It's one. Well, that's how music used to be in the seventies. You get two songs. You are famous forever, and you will always be rich in touring. Like you can just. You are in business for the rest of your life because you had two hits it's it's incredible like you can't somebody who got famous in the 2000s with just one hit song that be able to be that rich or tour that much i i don't think so randy bachman and fred turner did make up and tour together in the in the 2010s uh one of them retired in 2018 and so they're just done but uh, they they didn't play together for the american rock and roll hall of fame but for the canadian hall of fame (laughs) they did reunite and and sing together one just is valid nope. <laughs> uh, did but, they play the new stuff uh, hopefully no, no I think they just did taking care of business <laughs> uh, but yeah the here's here's Homer's views on BTO hello Springfield <laughs> we're going to play all your old favorites but first we'd like to dip into our new CD taking care of business don't worry sir we'll get to that no one talking. <laughs> no new crap taking care of business now I just kept the same. Ain't nothing yet. We just did. Whatever. Be sure to stick around for the Battle of the Elementary School Bands. Oh, Homer, Lisa's in that. I stand by my disappointed groan. I forgot they played both songs. Yes, yeah, both they, of their they songs. paid for both of them. This we season eleven probably had a bigger music budget than most like adult swim shows have full budgets for seasons <laughs> like there's so many songs this episode they pay for two bto songs they pay for a cover of living in america and uh cake's biggest hit they pay for all of those to for broadcast like you that's an insane amount of money to me they they must add a huge but if we ever get scully again i'm asking like dude that budget was crazy for music and then they use Bone Thugs and Harmony's Crossroads for when Maude dies. <laughs> I forget. That was in the director's cut. No. Yeah. No. They, they oh, couldn't okay. clear it. They couldn't clear it. Uh, the Bones thought it was uh, offensive, the use of that song. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, the In Homer also, like, I have thought of this line when I've gone to concerts and don't want to hear new songs. I do think of no talking, no new crap, like. When I do see my old man bands, because I am of dad age, and my, my dad rock is things like, uh, you know, Violent Femmes and uh, Built to Spill, and mm-hmm. They Might Be Giants, they know why I'm there. Mm-hmm. They know why I'm there. <laughs> and a They Might Be Giants show, in my experience, they might play like, look, here's, we got three new songs, let us play them, and then we'll 
we'll get back to that little birdhouse in your soul. We'll do it. No, at my when I went to see Weezer over a year ago, Weezer and the Pixies, the Pixies really were just like, look, we'll do one new song. And also, though, it was, uh, I don't think Frank Black or Francis Black was, uh, I don't think he was in a working mood that mm. night, I'll just say. I think maybe it was a long tour for the Pixies. <laughs> but uh, when, the we- when Weezer sang... I I was just like, you know what? I'm going to stand for every song I like and then anything after the Green Album, I'm I'm just going to rest my legs. <laughs> like uh <laughs> that'll be my way. I won't shout no new crap, but I will sit down. Ratitude is a uh, you know, let's visit the snack bar kind of song. <laughs> it's kind of album. <laughs> uh honestly i would have preferred they didn't even do beverly hills i'm like just you know what if you're gonna <laughs> go into the stuff i don't like play at least the popular one i didn't like the one i heard 27 times i mean <laughs> like i see elvis costello whenever i can he he still records a lot so a lot of he'll put out a lot of new stuff and you can just tell in the audience like there's just this murmur that goes around when like something from like when i was cruel is played and everybody's like <laughs> I don't know if I get another beer, uh, and then that, and that's it. But like, yeah, I, I kind of, I actually kind of like that because I'm like, oh, so you're still doing stuff now? Okay, that's good. I, uh, I mean, I always like when I hear a deep cut from a thing when I was young. Like, I do like that. Or I should have checked it out, but I didn't. When Weird Al did his like self and he called it the self-indulgent tour he's like i'm not playing the hits i'm playing uh, the songs i like in, in I smaller I, venues wish i would have went to that uh well look we're remembering all the <laughs> concerts we wish we could have gone to when concerts existed and we weren't thinking about being in a small enclosed space with other people shouting all the time does he play uh i lost at jeopardy baby often you know i don't i would bet not i would hope that's he a big did one for me i i want to hear his uh one more minute that's my favorite deep cut though i guess it had a it had a music video so it's not that deep a cut the jeopardy one is extra deep because it's referencing a song no one remembers and an era of jeopardy no one remembers the pre-trebek era that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the original song that's because it is called Jeopardy. Yeah, uh, it's not the he didn't parody too much of that. Yeah. <laughs> also, I like Homer. I think Homer is reading his stage directions out loud when he says like disappointed groan. I think that, <laughs> I think that's what was in the script. Uh, and so Lisa and her band plays. They play "Living in America," the Rocky Three, cla- Rocky Four classic. And uh, I, I think it's weird that Bart says like Lisa is a sax machine and also way too blow. Those are weird mm-hmm. lines to put in. Yeah, I, I don't care for that. Though. Yeah. <laughs> After their song, we then get the triumphant return of Comptroller Atkins. Just beautiful. This is what comp trolling is all about. <laughs> Anybody got a building permit? Because we nailed it. Way to blow, Lise. That is the best version of living in America I've ever heard. Third best for me. (laughs) Well, unless there's another band, I think we have a winner. Oh, wait. There is another band from Ogdenville. Uh, Please welcome the Ogdenville Band. Stars and Stripes Forever. Oh, man. They're toast. And uh, yeah, I, I also like living in America. That's a good choice of a, you know, technically newer song, but still was like 13 or 14 years old when they when they played it. But it feels hip to uh, to school students, I guess. Stick Controller Atkins also proudly Canadian, just like BTO. That's right. You're right. Where he comes from, Canada. Uh, <laughs> I looked up that Atkins. 
according to the wiki, he he could have been a recurring guy. I wish they'd used him more, but he apparently doesn't make another on-screen appearance until a <laughs> 2006 episode where he's just in like the background of school employee faculty stuff. It's just funny to see a comptroller sash. Yeah, it's so <laughs> like great. he's that important, and it's such a like an obscure role in like an administration a comptroller it's funny it's like mm. a bursar it's a, it's a funny word that no one ever uses out loud uh though lisa if she had talked to the comptroller more on this episode the ruse would have been revealed that he did give the school the money <laughs> that's and that, right that she thought he had gotten away with the like favorite thing about this is that i i i just couldn't stop thinking about like ogdenville elementary school kids listening to like the payback and like all these really radical James Brown songs just to get the size of what living in America was going to be like. <laughs> uh, I I also like that they choose Ogdenville instead of Shelbyville. Like it's uh, that you would have just expected. Yeah, it's uh, Shelbyville or maybe Capital City, but it's Ogdenville, baby. I assume the North Haverbrook bus broke down on the way here. <laughs> they can't, They have two, all the bad luck in North Haverbrook. Uh, and, and I also like Comptroller actually forgetting like, oh, there is another band. Like that's that's a good line but lisa is a real brat in this episode but i will say i could identify with the child like feeling of that's not fair that's against the rules like that it at least captures an accurate emotion that you go through as a kid when you realize life isn't fair yeah i totally agree with you because uh the schoolroom is an inaccurate simulation of real life where when you're growing up as a kid like in preschool and kindergarten and in like in grade school and so on you're taught like we have to share and we have to be fair and play by the rules then you escape into reality you're like nothing is fair no one is sharing with me <laughs> all the bad people were right yeah all the ones who took it for themselves were right they did it right those selfish kids were ahead of the ball on me yeah i uh and and lisa learns it because the ogdenville students cheat they use glow sticks which are clearly not allowed in the rules and yet the comptroller just gives them the award my big issue with this episode is not the underground world of jockeys it's glow sticks are not going to function in daylight you know what you're right those those have to be very powerful glow sticks to work in the way they do in the daytime they should have just made a real pre a press to make it look like it was really overcast that day <laughs> <laughs> big thunderclouds nothing's happening but you know they're big and heavy what were they thinking yeah or just have it be at nighttime it's the you know you got to the fair in the daytime and it's also weird they're doing all this fair stuff right after they just went to the fair for the faith healing episode like that episode wasn't that long ago i mean state fair jokes are always fun they uh now boy what i wouldn't give for a fried shirt mm. Now. <laughs> mm. <That's> the best <laughs> you can't fry you can't fry your own shirt at home it just doesn't taste as good it's all it, clumpy it just doesn't come out the same way you look at that crispness and it scalds you when you put it on <laughs> it's, yeah. really, it's really dangerous to work with all that fried stuff especially <laughs> for a shirt you're gonna wear another thing i there's two things in this episode that i would like i want to nominate as the new simpsons meme but homer's smiling thumbs up to lisa is so funny especially because yeah. they hit it twice like that should be a, a twitter it's, that should be all over it's twitter. a great drawing too just how big his smile is uh and that twice like first it's obvious lisa's not going to win so the joke is homer thumbs up smiling when he should notice she's disappointed but then when they officially don't win homer still Mm -hmm. goes like god <laughs> that's a good joke that's it's i that feels like a joke found in the edit too like it wasn't in their original thing and they just found it in like oh that's a funny drawing let's just show it again uh lisa then is very upset at the state unfair 
Well, it's not going to be easy to pick a winner, but... I'm getting Bill! I'm getting But I think one school, red, white, and blew us all away. <laughs> and the winner is... Ogdenville! I hope you enjoy your plaque, cheater. Well, I was going to give you the Good Sportsmanship Award, but now I'm just going to be sick. I can't believe those idiot judges were impressed by glowing plastic tubes. Look, Lisa, it glows. Ooh. <laughs> Let's forget about the band contest and just have fun at the state fair. You mean state unfair? Yeah, right. That's what I meant, Lisa. State unfair. Thing. <laughs> That's a great march line. It does remind me of being a little shitty kid and your parents are trying to like cheer you up or change the subject and they're like, I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just like, it's I can't be satisfied. Screw you, mom, for trying to make me feel better. I just remember having such a specific thrill from ever whenever my mom did break down and said something sarcastic to me. And I was like, oh, you could talk like that? <laughs> and like I was young, I was just like, oh my God, you can do that? And like this, it, seeing Marge do it, it is humongous to me and it always makes me laugh. I love, I just love how deadpan she is like, yeah, that's what I meant, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, Lisa. Uh, it's, it's really, Marge has a lot of great stuff in here. Though also when she says, now let's forget i really it's it's the same inflection of now let's forget our troubles with a big bowl of strawberry ice cream yeah there are so many great lines like uh the thing about her greatest fear being the newspaper rubber band and then right after this i wish <laughs> she says i wish people would stop telling me to step right up i, I love that i love <laughs> there's so many great this is marge's best season 11 episode I yeah think. i think she's yep. just a nag or boring in every other episode or or the nice wife like there's nothing else she has but she they give lines that would be I would normally expect out of Homer they give them to her and she's so funny at saying them. I, I think that's the uh, benefit of going more towards jokes at, like the the one good thing about that move that shift is that like she was usually part of the emotional backstory she usually was the warm one mm. uh, and she didn't get enough lines whereas like now since we're all going to get lines she gets more and because of the vocal performance I mean it's incredible so I, I, I laugh my ass off at her in this when they when they have too many jokes and they're like Homer can't say every joke they're like all right <laughs> yep. let's give some to Marge we then. want him to but uh, <laughs> they won't let us now let's talk about diving horses shall we yes uh, we're like were they just on a wild hearts can't be broken kick or something around this time <laughs> that's the famous horse diving movie yes yeah which I've never seen I've uh, and they did also have last season the episode called wild Barts can't be broken uh, but it was a 1991 movie apparently based on real life for a, a real woman's life story about a woman who was the uh, duncan dives by himself but apparently a lot of horse diving was done with a person riding the horse yeah. and in the wild hearts can't be broken a woman is riding the horse a dive goes wrong it detaches her retinas and she goes blind but she still continues to dive after losing her sight and uh yeah i think that it's a film from 1991 i don't think anyone remembers other than just as a, a title yeah i don't remember that gabriel on war yeah i'm not remembering this 
Yeah, like uh, no, no, no. people complain about video games, but that used to be entertainment. Right? Like we should bl- thank our lucky stars every day we have video games. <laughs> I, I I think too they they mentioned on the commentary they were slightly inspired by just their love of old stock footage, and there's you can find old black and white stock footage of horses diving, which I mean just straight up is animal abuse, which they mentioned in this episode. Yeah, and uh, so a surprise guest star on this episode, uh, Jim Cummings, is Duncan. I didn't uh, know. He's in the credits. Yeah. And oh, wow, I missed that. I have ah. to assume that they couldn't get Frank Welker because whenever there was an animal-heavy episode, they would get Frank Welker in to do the animal sounds. Uh, normally, it's like Dan Castellaneta doing a lot of the animal sounds. But, yeah, uh, yeah so this is Jim Cummings' only role on the show. In case you don't know, he's like Winnie the Pooh and Darkwing Duck and Bonkers. And Every voice. Yeah, he yeah. is Tigger. like... Yeah, Tigger as well. Yeah, and like he is Disney's like number one voice guy for the mm. past 30 years. And he's this is the one time he's on the show. That's... Wow. And it's only probably because... Frank Welker was uh, unable to take the role. That's like, my yeah. philosophy. Uh, sorry, that's my um, theory. Yeah, I, I assume Welker. I, Cummings probably got a very bitter phone call from Welker the, <laughs> the day after he recorded, being like, look, I missed that one. I, you know, I was doing other stuff. I was gardening. But if you take another one of the Simpsons gags away from me, I'm going to get somebody and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Stay in your lane, Jim. Don't think you're <laughs> the horse guy now. I'm the horse guy. Uh, he, then he does like five great horse sounds over the... the now, I, in this month, we're also doing a Scooby-Doo podcast, which uh, got me into the world of Frank Welker. And he really is like a singular talent. When he's gone, 800 people are going to get jobs because he does every <laughs> yep. sound. Like he's... It's insane how good he is with, the, and he's like he got cast as as Freddy when he was twenty three. Like that's yeah. why he has been a constant for fifty years of animation. Uh, he but, is an un- economy unto himself. It's yeah, amazing. Uh, the cartoon historian and writer Mark Evanier had the saying of you call everybody for casting and then you hire Frank Welker because he just does everything. But uh, yeah, you're right. Mostly if if they have a joke of just a dog's going to bark twice. They just say, like, ah, Dan can bark or he can do a bird sound. But if you have a major role for one of the dog, for a pet or for a horse, they often just go to Welker. Uh, and, uh, but yes, Don, I did not think, uh, thanks for catching that. Yeah, I, that surprised me when I saw his name at the end. I, I saw him like horse diving, like, what's the most recent horse diving stuff? Because apparently it fell out of favor in the 70s as people <laughs> they <start>. discovered drugs. <laughs> I, I yeah. think it was people <laughs> finally realized, like, no, this is abuse. Like, this just is, you're abusing a horse. A horse doesn't want to jump into a pool. Though apparently, uh, according to Wikipedia, in 2012, an Atlantic City casino owner tried to do it again. He's like, I'm going to do a horse diving act. And the Humane Society shut it down. He was not able to do it. It's not as easy to go like further underground, like cockfighting. You just go further underground when it falls out of favor. Horse diving, it's not so, you know, it's not so easy to go underground with it. People are going to see the huge platform no matter where you put it. You can't just make a horse dive for nobody. You got to, you need an audience for that if you're going to do it. Can't do it in a basement, which really just limits you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, the... We get to see Duncan diving. Great animation on just a terrified horse being forced to jump and how the the board just tilts to make him fall. It's not even jumping. It's it's dropping a horse. And also like seeing him struggle to get out of the water and the way he's like swaying as he's held up like 
very good animation of horses in this. This is very unimportant information, but uh, I've seen his name spelled Duncan, like the the proper spelling of Duncan, like the male name. And also I've seen it spelled Duncan, like Duncan Donuts, and that makes more sense to me. Like that's the pun, like you're dunking a horse. Okay, I yeah, I, that's. I always, I always thought it was the D U N C A N. I, but I, but Duncan. I mean, that's the pun. He's is that it's Duncan the diving horse. Well, that's. You'll have to wait to see Jim Cummings' resume one day, and he'll have it there <laughs> very clearly. Uh, that's. Uh, I wonder how important. You know, it's his only Simpsons credit, and Simpsons is a big credit, but it's not a famous one. So yeah, I wonder on what level does he does he talk up this one in in interviews. I mean, I guess when you're when you're Winnie the Pooh, you don't really need to mention any other things. But I also feel like if you're any kind of voice actor, like the the pinnacle is being like, I was on Simpsons once, even if it was only once. Yeah. Even yeah. with the later seasons, I feel like I would I would wear that uh, badge with honor. But yes, the the Simpsons are watching Duncan get uh, be put through his trials, and uh, finally the police show up. Uh, this is clearly a case of animal cruelty. Uh, do you have a permit for that? No problem, sir. It's in my car. You gotta stop being so trusting, Chief. I'd rather let a thousand guilty men go free than chase after them. All right, show's over, folks. I'm afraid this horse is going to the dog food factory. Good luck getting a horse to eat dog food. You can't do that to Duncan. It's not his fault that his owner was a sleaze. Look, I just want the horse to have a good home or be food. If you want to take him, fine with me. Hmm. Should the Simpsons get a horse? <laughs> Excuse me, but I believe this family already had a horse, and the expense forced Homer to work at the Quickie Mart with hilarious consequences. Anybody care what this guy thinks? No! Mm. That should have been the act break, I think. Yeah, Not right? the joke about going in the tunnel. That tunnel joke, it, it takes it away. Like, start the next act with the tunnel joke. Like, just yeah. end it with, hmm. I will say the, the, the tunnel joke was the first big laugh I had in this episode. <laughs> it's a great drawing of a horse on top of a car having to, like, duck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and very obediently just standing out of there like, okay, Mr. Horse, get on top of this car and stay standing while it moves. <laughs> the biggest laugh I had in that scene is Marge is like, so, uh, like her artificial line, like, should the Simpsons get a horse? <laughs> <laughs> One of those like trailer lines. You yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, this does anybody care what this guy thinks moment i is a big one for the show i think he gets the upper hand when he returns with his worst episode ever shirt on because i think it's the joke at the expense of the writers where he's watching them like uh, yeah like they're falling yeah. back into like old plot lines and things they've done before and i think that's them admitting their own struggles with coming up with new ideas this is just them being mean to people on the internet Yes. This joke comes from a self-consciousness of knowing they're repeating themselves. Like, they know they are. They're like, well, the Simpsons get a horse. And they're like, well, we did that. Like, and as we learned in our interview with Dan Grady from about two and a half years ago, this moment came up. Uh, Dan Grady was on the staff writing at the time, though he's not credited. I mean, he was in the writer's room, so he knew he knows. He brought up this moment to us saying that this scene was about like fans like me and Bob directly <laughs> addressing us. He said it was pitched by writer George Meyer, who was an executive producer then. 
And to quote Dan Graney, he says, guys, we have to do a hundred episodes. It's really hard. If we can do a second episode where they get a horse and it's funny, is that such a crime? (laughs) So, So that's what it's about. Like it's just to be fully like, so comic book guy has been a stand in for, bad simpsons fans before in the poochie episode where he says worst episode ever Mm -hmm. and bart Mm -hmm. says who are you to question this they've given you hours of free entertainment uh that absolutely is the simpsons talking to their fans but that more felt like them commenting on the fans things they've heard before this is a preemptive strike on fans (laughs) like that that is so it's totally a little different to me it's. I mean, it's also. It, it goes back to my uh, AI thing. It. The thought I had when I first like thought of what they were setting up. It wasn't really the pony episode. It was Bart gets the elephant episode. Mm, yeah. I, like yeah. I. I felt like this was more because like he's the one who's like you can't kill this animal. They, they can't send him to dog fa- dog food factory. Like I, I like this animal, and I'm like, oh, so he's gonna have another. You know, and it feels kind of like a mesh of those two episodes ultimately. Yeah, to you're me. totally right because uh, Lisa doesn't care that they have a horse. She should be <laughs> yeah. on board with this and wanting to interact with the horse and ride the horse. She does not care at all. It is pretty funny that Lisa, whose entire motivation for the first three years of the show is usually I want a pony, every piece of merch, if they had to give a line to Lisa, it was like a penny saved is a pony earned and all this pony stuff. And then in this episode, they're like, Lisa doesn't give one shit about this pony. She is just caring about whining the entire episode. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, I, when you think of Lisa as a person with consistent you know, wants and desires, she should care that there's a pony a pony that seemingly she could ride because the family owns a horse now uh but and and yet they don't she just doesn't (laughs) care i think it is fair for them to be like oh come on just let us do another horse episode well is that so wrong like and also just the the way grainy put it of just like we have to do 100 episodes of these things is like well okay if you if you put it as the idea of you must do this then i guess yeah i guess you can i mean i don't even really care like i'm not one of those people who like oh same plot here we go again i'm like i don't care what your plot is similar at all just make the jokes good and like the jokes here just weren't up to the pony episode Mm -hmm. to me well i did i will say when in the last couple years they did a marge goes to prison episode i i did go like you guys did this like that's a season four classic yeah and just because you can do oranges the new black jokes now doesn't mean uh that this is worth going back to perhaps but then again i haven't seen that episode maybe it's a great episode good. i i don't know but yeah this i do i think it is a dangerous game the show is playing here of preemptively getting mad at fans for the things they're going to say and that that defensiveness and being on their back foot you know that's it it feels like a struggle for the show that i think it 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 never properly dealt with like it i it kind of speaks to like a lack of confidence in your own work that you're just like oh but what if the fans will say this about it like i don't know they didn't used to think that way on the show there were two online at this point i think oh yes yeah which hey aren't we all yeah I mean, they also couch all the other gags, the other gag like this is you're in the comic book store, you're in his world, you get some sense of him as a person in this small little store that he owns. And this, it's just, hey, I'm here and I'm going to make a joke against the fans. And he knows, he doesn't, 
he knows a lot about the family too and their personal history yeah yeah which comic book guy the person would not care about them at all because they're other people and he doesn't care about other people so yeah you're right him showing up out of nowhere at a place he wouldn't be to just complain about how this is another old story that is taking the comic book guy as fan to another level as well but all right so after that uh major moment in the series we come back from the break and not only is this kind of repeating both the stampy story in that way but like Mm. this scene is just the same yeah i wish they wouldn't have done this scene because it's just like yeah we're gonna have the horse who cares like the money doesn't (laughs) matter and it really did in the uh in the first in the first version of this because homer had to get another job yeah that was back when you could believably think about the simpsons bank account and i mean even the stampy episode throws it out the window they're just like boy it's expensive to keep an elephant well we better just steal a bunch of peanuts or eat all the <laughs> lettuce at an arboretum they, they monetize that elephant though remember yeah. see the elephant ride the elephant <laughs> don't embarrass me in front of the money <laughs> you could even get that texas businessman guy back and have him be like well i mean it's gonna be dog food how much a can of dog food cost oh can you give me like three dollars uh, like burn- something small like that would like mitigate that i feel they burn their bridge with blackheart though they can't get blackheart back <laughs> yeah i guess so, yeah uh but yes uh there there is one little funny line in this i do like oh my oh it's going to cost us five hundred dollars a week to keep duncan but he'll bring us joy marge Unlike all your silly goo-gaws. At least you don't have to feed any of the stuff I bought at the fair. Well, except the mop. <laughs> Marge, your pro-mop anti-horse agenda has been clear for some time. Yeah, good. Uh, I don't know what a mop would sound like when it was eating, but that's a good uh, approximation of that. Yeah. Uh, I love that mop. The mop eating crackers, just like <laughs> inhaling it and then kind of just like scrunching down like that is such a weird joke. There's also something on the table that feels like it came from a cut scene. There's like this uh, like yeah. lightsaber looking thing. And I wonder what it was because all the things she saw are on the table. And then there's that this white like lightsaber handle kind of thing. True. Oh, man, I, I watched the one secret deleted scene in this podcast. I didn't watch the regular deleted scenes, so I'll I'll make a mental note in that for when we do our season eleven deleted scenes uh, sometime in early twenty twenty one. I think so. Sounds look, about right. Look forward to that. But uh, pro mop anti horse agenda. That's a good. That's a good little line too. I like that. But but it really does feel like a throwback to have Marge sitting in front of a calculator going like, oh man, these bills are so bad. But yes, then we see the Bart and Homer trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, there's, it's a good little play on the nothing in the rule book says kind of gag of Homer realizing the rule book actually does say a horse can't play in the NFL. Every sports organization learned from Airbud. We need to update those rule books, include uh, <laughs> clauses about animals. Uh, they, they all went f- uh, from there forward. No more animals. Yeah. And this, uh, this Pearl fantasy coming up, this is what I was talking about when it feel when I said it feels like a burlesque version of of Schwarzwalder it just feels like what would John Schwarzwalder write and it sort of reminds me I don't know if this is a Schwarzwalder episode I don't think it is but it reminds me of that dream sequence where Homer is imagining what two wives can do for him and that one of us one is chopping something down one is digging a hole and then Homer in the dream is stung by a bee and he wakes up screaming (laughs) it reminds me of that but even more bizarre like uh, because Bart's like oh the horse can die for pearls and Homer imagines like a world where everything is pearls he is served a pearl cereal by a giant 
giant pearl and he eats the cereal and all of his teeth are broken and he laughs at his broken teeth uproariously and that is the entire point of the dream to laugh at his broken teeth in this pearl universe he imagines for himself i love this pearl butler this was like a, a, a image I remembered very clearly, and I, I just love the look of him. I I do love the design on the fancy pearl butler and and Homer's bed made of pearls, and and also I I love not that this was a that the Simpsons hadn't done this sort of joke before, but the cutaway to what a person is seeing while a cutaway happens, yeah. like Bart watching Homer rolling on the ground giggling, like this is a borderline psychotic episode for Homer. Here. Is that look? at the mirror like a batman 89 reference oh maybe Maybe. whenever i see a hand mirror i just think it's a reference to batman because no one uses a hand mirror anymore well also this scene of the of bart saying what jobs duncan could do that feels like the live pitching of plots in the room of like well all right we got a horse uh what do we do with that what happened can can a horse play football can it die for pearls uh and it'll just race it's a horse it'll race the pearl dream is interesting because uh, bob you brought up the the dream thing the other dream i think about and the one i went to with this one is the dream of uh homer when he's tired from working at the quickie mart in the pony episode when he's just remember like imagining a sleep land yeah, and, like, yeah. Right, that was my first time like oh th- like that's where i kind of get like the you're retreading stuff is when you're at the actual joke structure of the episode is similar like <laughs> if you're gonna have an episode like this you just don't have a dream sequence in it because that's exactly what happened in the last one and homer's lying in bed in both of those points too yeah but homer convinces bart convinces homer to let uh, duncan race then we cut to uh lisa writing an angry letter to the president what are you doing, Lisa? I'm writing a letter to President Clinton about that travesty of a band contest. As a fellow sax player, I'm sure he'll be outraged. Honey, don't get obsessed with that. Focus on the good things, like this fire extinguisher I got at the fair. Really? It's hey, what are you doing? <laughs> it's the only fire extinguisher endorsed by both Linda Carter and George Foreman. I wonder what would happen if they had a baby. so marge has lost her mind in this i mean like that's what i this is my favorite marge scene that not only does she do what homer just did in the last scene of imagining something and then rolling on the floor laughing but she lights the drapes on fire fire as an excuse to use her fire extinguisher and even lisa's like what are you doing (laughs) that's a great reaction from uh lisa great acting with uh yardley there yeah well because this is what lisa should do like when homer does these things no one says anything because they are very used to this from homer but marge starting a kitchen fire intentionally just to put it out just to use a new product she is insane and i love that like marge should be crazy like just forget it forget any consistently throw it out and have marge do crazy stuff and every time before this when she's gone like crazy or something there's been like an emotional again emotional backbone to what why she's like that I like seeing her just silly like this mm-hmm. and like goofing around. And like, if that's again, the one thing I think is good about having all these jokes uh, forward is because this, like, again, yeah, this would have been this probably, I don't think this scene would have even been shown in yeah. an episode back in the nineties. That's very sweet. Like the things that uh, tickle Marge, like yeah. the ideas yeah. that tickle Marge. And <laughs> one thing I want to bring up on the comments,
commentary is when Lisa says she's going to call President Clinton, someone on the commentary says, oh, she she means the first President Clinton. And I looked up when these DVDs came out. They came out in the fall of 08. So I have to assume that was recorded before Obama was the nominee. I think in so. 08. And yeah. if you remember the Simpsons movie uh, the year before these DVDs came out in 2007, Hillary Clinton was the president in that movie in the Itchy and Scratchy short. So we were all stupid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> There, there was a lot of assumptions that Hillary was gonna like. Obviously, it's gonna be Hillary. You know, wait, it was that first until uh, we, you know, the charismatic, the charisma of Barack Obama was impossible to ignore. It is funny to listen to people in, I would assume, an early await recording going like the first President Clinton. Though I think another person does say like, and the only President Clinton. Like somebody else on the (laughs) commentary is like, ah, she's not gonna win. I mean, it's funny because this is the year that she... Isn't this when she gets elected uh, as the senator of New York? Ah, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Chris, because actually the day that this aired, Hillary Clinton officially announced her candidacy for Ah. the Senate, uh, the, uh, the Senate seat in New York, yes. That's amazing. Like, that just brings me right back we we only got to see it on a national stage you she was your senator wasn't she yes she was and uh she was uh not good I think uh, as it turns out. So Chris, all she accomplished was uh, basically getting mad about video games too late. Is that her legacy in New York? <laughs> yep, yep, a uh, uh, secondhand Tipper Gore stuff. Yep. I thought so. Yeah, real real yep, nanny yep, state. Hey. Original stuff. <laughs> she worked with Bush on some 9/11 something or other, I think. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, that was what was shocking to me cuz uh, when we got to the end of the when I was making my notes for the end of the episode, I should have looked up like, okay, what did anything happen for Bill Clinton on the day this aired since Bill Clinton appears on screen and just the- some uh, <laughs> private flights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just flying around, you know, to some fun places. Uh, but, uh, but, but when I looked up this date plus Bill Clinton, the first result was a transcript from the, uh, by CNN from the event where Hillary's like, I'm not gonna, this has been a listening tour, but I'm not going to listen any longer. I'm running for the Senate. And so, uh, yeah, I think, what she was like a term and a halfer right because uh she she resigned to be the secretary of state in the obama administration yep i don't think i don't think bill could have been at that uh speed though when she announced because he was at a uh fuck stokely carmichael convention oh, oh yeah. right uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very private event but like yeah, he was he to go given the keynote speech there <laughs> yeah oh uh, boy we uh it's a good time to this was the right time to record this because it's very easy to hate bill clinton right now yeah uh, on Ju- on July 31st of 2020, who knows what's happening with Bill Clinton by the time you're hearing this, but I mean I hope the worst happens because like to say fuck Stokely Carmichael at John Lewis's funeral is like the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. He also complained about cancel culture. He's like, you know, he didn't try to cancel <laughs> uh, this person. Like it's I think uh, by October, his new whose new name is Miguel Sanchez. And he's uh, <laughs> on the run from the federales. <laughs> uh, uh, but <laughs> I do wonder if these cutaway jokes are partially them commenting on how many cutaways Family Guy is doing because Family Guy is a year old by the time this airs so maybe they're joking the simpsons didn't do as many cutaways in this time so maybe them showing cutaways as psychotic breaks is them commenting on how much family guy's doing it Mm. it's possible but uh but yes in the next scene homer takes his tom landry hat out of the closet and he's ready to start training a horse and we get a reference to a film again i don't think anybody thinks about it absolutely not dad if we're gonna race duncan shouldn't we hire a professional trainer 
Son, I learned everything I needed to know from the horse whisperer. Step one, seduce a lonely housewife. Ma'am? Now for the actual horse whispering. When the race starts, run really fast. <laughs> yeah, that was a. Uh, I knew it was a. I think the what came out of that was the Dog Whisperer, which became much That's more famous true, than yeah. the Horse Whisperer movie. But that was like a Robert Redford movie where he was like director and writer and star of that mm. movie. And it nope. uh, it definitely sounded like a uh, housewife kind of book of a mm. dude who. Ba I mean, he does have sex with a lonely housewife, like Bridges of Madison County. It's very. <laughs> it sounds like in the similar vein. Yes, the book is is a little bit more dark. It's a Cormac McCarthy book. Oh, oh shit! It's the it was like a first attempt to get him into the movie like make a, a movie out of like they've been trying to make blood meridian for decades now it seems like but it's never going to happen but this was it was a huge book and this was a first attempt and it's a boring ass movie it's like one of the most boring movies i've ever seen redford is especially when he stars in it his films can be a bit boring like yes i, I think my favorite redford movies quiz show and that but hmm. uh, that's because it's just a fun a fun story and john Turturro, like he's so great in that movie Oh man, I love quit. Me and Steve Sadak from we 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 watch that like every like once a decade. We will just get drunk and watch that movie together. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, though I did forget that Horse Whisperer was the first major role for Scarlett Johansson. All right, she's she's uh, a daughter. Yeah, yeah, she's fifteen in the in the filming. I think apparently she has like a small part in Home Alone 3, but this was her big breakout role. She was the sister who was fed up with uh, not. Macaulay Culkin. Oh, okay. <laughs> so whatever little kid they slotted in. Uh, it's And I don't think it was. I can see that kid on the box right now because he's like in front of French Stewart in pain or something. He's got a, he's got a little parrot, I think, too. <laughs> okay. <Yep. laughs> also uh, worth noting, Homer's attempt to seduce Maud is the final appearance by Maud before her death. So uh, that's uh, one last joke about Maud and Homer wanting to have sex with her before they kill her off. <laughs> And uh, then we cut to the racetrack. We get some fun little racetrack humor of uh, Mo discovering the woman. That feels like the start of another plot, but it is. Yeah, like all these failed uh, attempts to start a plot, like is Homer a horse whisperer? Is Mo falling in love? Like all these things that are, I do like the how the cartoon gag is actually a serious medical condition. Yes. Though you're right, that also does feel like John Swartzwelder drag as well. Like, like oh, John Swartzwelder would have a joke about this cartoon thing. I like to how Mo says beautiful, like he's like in a uh, 1940s hobo or something. <laughs> I wonder if that is a reference to there's a one uh, a rare uh, horse racing movie uh, called Let It Ride by a uh, uh, Space Jam director Joe Pitka. That's right. Uh, oh wow! With, with Rich with Richard Dreyfus as like this gambling addict who like makes it big one day but like i feel like he is like looking on the ground for old winners yes. for like in a scene there i know that movie because uh my dad who hates all movies and doesn't find much enjoyment in them <laughs> it was his favorite because it was about gambling and it was uh very well observed of what live it were if you spend a lot of time in racetracks actually very correct about what the types of folks you meet and the different uh feel of it and and yeah let it ride also has the voice actor from this episode in it too <laughs> the bizarre guest star that's coming up <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> uh but the oh also to uh, the commentary they say about the joke of like i sometimes want to run clockwise they say on the commentary that the horses do run clockwise in europe i found that is not 
tr- exactly the case from from my online mm. research like for example apparently in germany they it's like half and half some tracks will run ca- clockwise some will run counterclockwise but like in england apparently they run counterclockwise as well at their races and that's how i found out that the wacky british people say anti-clockwise not oh. counterclockwise anti-clockwise that feels like you're making a political statement <laughs> yeah i don't like that uh, it's running anti-clockwise like uh those, those wacky brits with their weird ways of saying stuff counterclockwise makes way more now nah, either works it, it's basically the same thing but it just... i just imagine in parliament a bunch of people, are you anti-clockwise sir <laughs> are you saying you are anti-clockwise i've been doing clockwise in me family for years <laughs> uh, behave uh... <laughs> clockwise people behave <laughs> Uh, but uh, they, as Duncan arrives, I do like how you know Bart's wearing his pajamas. They paint the number on Duncan. Bart is brushing his hair with a toilet brush, like funny, funny stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lots know. of like they don't have the money for the uh, to be a real jockey here. And then Homer calls shoes dealies. He just uh, over and over again <laughs> calls them dealies. I I like that horse dealies. <laughs> uh, but yes, the the racing is about to begin. Uh, they also have a gag of Homer saying like. Like that horse better win or he's taking a trip to the trip to the glue factory and he won't get to and he won't get to come uh which they recognize on the commentary they're like yeah we had two selling a horse to a factory I, joke so we kept him i like this one because you find out lenny's a big fan of the glue factory tour and carl's just like hey shut up i love that carl's catchphrase in this season is saying to lenny to shut up like she's hot so who cares like that carl said that a lot this season uh but yes then we get the other big other than jim cummings the other big guest star of this episode Oh, and Randy Bachman and Fred Turner. Trevor Denman. He is the Michael Buffer of animal cruelty. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, look, those those horses. I've been told they barely feel it when they get the, <laughs> when they get whipped as they run. It, it feels nothing. Uh, but yeah, he is like a famous horse race announcer. Like he's the. I, I I didn't know this was the guy. I thought it was just a good impression of what you think of when you think of a horse race announcer. Who just says, "I'm in this guy," and they're like, uh, uh, "But they got the real guy." Who uh, his other credits do include "Let It Ride" and also the cursed HBO f- show luck that, oh man <laughs> that show killed so many horses the horse death show it's uh i love david milch so much the deadwood is one of my all-time favorite shows i was so sad that he had what sounded like a good idea for a show about horse racing and then it's just it's a show that constantly killed horses and they like we can't keep doing this we keep killing horses <laughs> I never listened to the commentary. I watched most of it because I'm a, a, a nutjob uh, Michael Mann fan. Mm. But I would kill to hear Michael Mann just talk, try to uh, uh, like make it logical sounding that he killed that many horses for his Dustin Hoffman show. <laughs> like, because right. you know he doesn't really care that much because he's one of those guys who's like, just get the take, get the take. Like, uh, I, I'll be very serious about it, uh, making his movies. And I just imagine being like, eh, some uh, a couple horses died. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. About- animals i killed in the 80s come on yeah, come on we killed like 17 horses on thief and we cut the scenes that they were in. uh yeah it's uh i i would guess probably a lawyer would not let him do the commentary on that <laughs> this this trevor denman guy though uh he does not have an iconic uh you know let's get ready to rumble kind of thing his big thing is and away they go yes, that's that's yeah. basically it so that's why he says and away i go at the end when he leaves uh which i mm. don't think he invented unlike michael buffer who had 
have the smarts. He had the smarts to know I got to copyright this and make it illegal for anyone else to say it. Uh, me, uh, meanwhile, Bruce Buffer in the UFC, he he got his iconic one like "It's time." Just it's time. It's. Uh, I think I'll say it. Bruce Buffer is better than Michael Buffer. He's a better announcer. Mm. I think my Bruce Buffer. I feel much more passion than I think Michael Buffer. He's just going through the motions. That's that's what I think. That's a controversial opinion, but I'm with it. 100. <laughs> We're going to lose listeners now. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. not comfortable with this. Uh, Get ready for tweets. <laughs> uh, but yes, the race starts in Duncan. He's not doing so hot. That horse better win. Or we're taking a trip to the glue factory, and he won't get to come. Yeah, that's a great tour. Well, you can't see it all in one day. Hey, be quiet. <laughs> and away they go. Go, Duncan. Number five. Let's go, number five. It's chock full of drugs, followed closely by Stalker, with old Levi's fading fast. What's this? Number five, Duncan. The horse no one expected to do anything isn't doing anything. He hasn't even left the starting gate. <laughs> Come on, boy. I know you're scared, but you can do this. I believe in you. Would you look at this? The straggler, Duncan, has exploded out of the gate and is making a big move. He's showing more heart than any horse I've ever seen. What a shame the race is already over. (laughs) That's good. I do. He delivers those lines like, well, I think especially the... I only in this clip did I catch like and stalker is close behind like that. That's a joke about stalking. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is a joke. And, and same Very with subtle. Le- Levi's is fading fast. Oh, the faded Levi's. I missed all of these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> horse names are boring, honestly. By in my trips to the uh, horse racing, like every name is really just like an in joke between the millionaires who own horses. Like they're not even there. No one's trying to be clever. I will say that I don't know what will come out about him uh, in the following two months, but Trevor Denman seems like an okay guy. Uh, recent news story says he's not traveling to uh, announce at this famous race because of the pandemic. He's oh, refusing to travel. Okay. So he's been doing the announcing at something called Del Mar since 1984. Oh, yes. And this year he's not doing it because of the pandemic. He could if he wanted to, but he's not doing it. So. Oh, hey, that's good you know it's uh it's dangerous to do these things i'm glad he's he's standing up for his health and not uh i don't know attending a rally without a without a mask on and and uh we're doing this right after herman cain died as well that's old news to you guys now but but yeah duncan i also i do like denman's deliveries of like the horse nobody thought could do it is doing nothing (laughs) (laughs) he thinks he's in a movie but he then says like and obviously the thing that wouldn't happen uh, does not happen uh also this second act is really short because after he loses then it's just the end like homer's like you know we're gonna get him new inspiration boom and it's over like uh i think it's like less than five minutes i mean we go right into the like am i wrong in assuming this was like i i took this as a dennis rodman joke you are completely correct because bart even says uh bad as you want to be or he's bad as he wants to be which is the title of his uh 96 book so it's like the premise for the third act is what if a horse was dennis rodman yes it's I mean, it really plugs it into the late 90s. And uh, and I mean, Dennis Rodman was one of the most interesting figures in pop culture in the late 90s. Like he was one of the best 
players of his time and also like a wild man who would party and just do whatever he felt like and date famous women and you just go like and he'd dye his hair and do like nude photo shoots and go to events dressed in a wedding dress like all this crazy stuff but he also was like you know a multi-time NBA champion like he was a big deal like the I think a lot of people were reminded of how interesting Dennis Rodman was after watching the Michael Jordan love fest the last dance like the not a fan of the last dance i i hate that like as a (laughs) fan of like 90s basketball and like basketball is the only sport i really watch the whole point of this is to get at what mike who michael jordan was in total in total not just this like pageantry shit and like I i can't tell you how angry that freaking thing made me and i watched it all because i had all those highlights but like oh god i hate that thing well you hear the stories that michael jordan had final cut on that yeah too, yep. So, yep. i mean what yeah i well and that's the thing that bugged me watching it i was enraptured by the whole thing and then the more i hear about like oh scotty pippen didn't like this or all these things I'm like yeah it was kind of unfair but even when i watched it in the first airing i was like this dennis rodman episode is so cool dennis rodman is so interesting i can't wait to hear about him the whole rest of this and they barely talk about dennis rodman the rest of the Mm. thing until dennis rodman made news in the games by missing practice in the in the finals of the 98 uh until until that time dennis rodman kind of vanishes from the story i'm just like what what did dennis rodman think of this why is nobody asking dennis rodman don't you want to hear what michael jordan has to say in his big comfy chair (laughs) (laughs) and over but i mean it became a meme because all he would say is like and i took that personally like (laughs) uh, or it's a cover for him like no i wasn't hung over it was a poison pizza fed to me delivered by bugs bunny himself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah dennis rodman in the last dance he has this interesting moment where he's like he tells uh early in his career he like went on a date with madonna and madonna told him like you got to own your persona like you have to invent a persona you can't let other people tell you who you are and that he was like yeah you know what i'm gonna do that and he he totally did he's that does he do weird stuff like say go to north korea and be just like be an (laughs) ambassador to it sure he's a weird guy yeah I mean, also that's how you keep you know people's eye on you. Yeah. Like even if the if it's ire, I mean, who cares if you're you're a bad boy? I mean, who gives a shit? <laughs> and uh, and also the I I know about him because not because I was really watching uh, professional sports then, but I was a professional wrestling watcher. And Dennis Rodman made big waves in the NWO from '96 to 2000. So I I was pretty well aware. So I even then. I knew this was a whole Dennis Rodman thing with the uh, with the character, especially like uh, Furious D. He's mad about uh, they uh, they don't call him the Worm or any kind of spin on that, but Furious D. Like he also threatens paparazzi which is just like right. that was also a rodman famously like i think he kicked one in the balls when he ran into a, a guy on the court he was known as the worm uh that was one of his nicknames okay yeah. interesting yeah. i know that from uh a pro wrestler made fun of him and uh by doing some uh, some pun about the worm sounds like a penis bob could you and also of course calling him gay i mean carl malone's gonna call him gay in some on some level so uh what you what you gonna do it was the 90s Anyway, uh, yes, Furious D makes his debut. Is that Duncan? Not anymore. Ladies, say hello to... Furious D? 
He's the bad boy of racing. He's got attitude and batitude, so show him some latitude and you'll win his gratitude. Only in America. Ew, you used my bracelet for a nose ring. Possessions are fleeting. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why, look at that disgraceful beast. Good Lord, what has become of the sport of kings? Get bent. Oh! <gasps> That's my third monocle this week. I simply must stop being so horrified. <laughs> I for, like the monocle. For as much as people hate this episode, I think all the monocle popping jokes I've seen in the past 20 plus years have been from this episode. <laughs> Might be. Speaking of who they're imitating there, Bart's only in America. I mean, that's Don King. That's yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So Bart, Bart also turns into the Don, Don King promoting Furious D. And that scene opens up with uh, Lisa on the phone with the White House. And there's this weird line that could tell it's ADR. They changed the line. She's like, no, I don't want to talk to Al Gore. Oh, and yeah. I think it's because it's like, well, yeah, Al Gore is going to be the next president, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's just what's going to happen. Sadly, too many people in 2000 uh, were like Lisa saying, no, I don't want Al Gore. <laughs> Look, we got nine months. What could happen? Yeah, obviously what? Oh, the fail son, the drunken, coked up fail son of the of a one term president's going to win. Now, now to go, go vote in Florida and drink my morning coffee. Uh, Would Republicans ever steal an election? No way. Nah. Democrats and, wouldn't let them. They'd no, fight. They'd fight it. That's what they do. The Supreme, the Supreme Court would uphold the Constitution. All those things would happen. But of course. Uh, but anyway, yeah. The it, then uh, we get to see some more gambling bets. I do like the wuss bet window. That does remind me of Skinner uh, wanting a nonpartisan non political uh, pin. That's like, May the best man win. <laughs> uh, I love Marge is so adorable. Like, can I just bet that all the horses will have a good time? I love that. Yeah. And also she's like, I don't know which ho horse to vote for. <laughs> vote for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> though uh, Skinner and Mole Man are in the wuss bet line, which that fits. But Ned should not be gambling at all. Ned Flanders is in that line and he should just not. I know he's a wuss, but he should not be making bets. Well, God is going to punish him next week. Uh, you know, that's by killing really his wife. why it happened. His punishment <laughs> yeah. for gambling. Uh, and so the race is about about to start i do love bart repeating to him that he has a new persona just to lay down the plot even deeper and uh and i did find some explanation of all the bets marge made which are real things she's like boxed with the three and the eight and uh wheel bet so marge said that she has furious d across the board boxed with the three and the eight a box bet is when you bet that Three horses will be in places one, two, and three, but not the order. A trifecta is if you say, if you bet who's going to be one, two, and three. If you do a box bet, you're just saying, I know who the top three will be no matter what their place is. And meanwhile, a wheeled bet is, this one I had to just copy and paste because I could <laughs> not figure it out. When the better selects a single horse to win the race, then a collection of horses to finish second, third, and fourth place, depending on the type of wheel bet is bet. Now, was your dad add uh this into it or was he like uh that one uh he was more into it he wasn't this into it and i don't think i think he really was just like pick a winner he didn't like all the uh the crazier wilder bets of trifecta or all those other things so uh yeah i think uh, he was he was more straightforward as a gambler uh but uh yeah so uh, and then also just to really bring it home comic book guy shows up wearing a worst episode ever t-shirt just to let you know exactly how he feels uh but furious d he doesn't take any guff okay lisa i've got furious d across the board boxed with the three and the eight and wheeled up and down um i think he might be developing a gambling problem hey i'm watching you they're tightly bunched as they round the far turn 
Wait a minute. Hang on to your monocles, cause Furious D is closing like a horse possessed. That's it, D. Don't let anyone push you around. Be as bad as you want to be. And the winner, Furious D. Oh, man, that horse don't take no guff from nobody. Guff? I mean, shit. Oh. <laughs> So close to a uh, PG-13 swear on broadcast I TV. I couldn't believe how close he got to saying shit. Like, I was so shocked with that. I, I had completely forgotten this was the episode where Nelson almost says shit and gets beaten up for it. That also feels like a direct, uh, like, buck against South Park. Oh, yeah. And them yeah. loving shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I think we're like a year uh, and some change before their famous shit episode. Mm, but, yeah. but I mean, the you're right, though. The movie just came out. Yeah. So yep. They, yep. Yeah. And, all the, and also, like, Simpsons doesn't even get to say bleeped swears like South Park at the time was getting to say. Uh, and um, though they make a good point on the commentary of, like, being this violent on the horse track will actually get you banned for life from racing. <laughs> it does not let you win. You can't be that violent you're not supposed to have a horse like smash other horses this was followed by a uh, a long musical montage set to a cake the cake song going the distance yeah apparently in the first airing it didn't have this it had a sound alike and the director knows the basis from cake and i guess there was an issue clearing it before the broadcast but apparently that connection uh, let them clear for future broadcasts and the DVD. So there you have it. That's that's good. I w this is one of those moments where I wish I had my old VHS tapes around me and also the VHS a VHS player <laughs> because like I definitely taped it on first airing and I I have this phantom memory of like hearing a thing that was sort of like going the distance and I knew it was meant to be that and then seeing it on the DVD I'm like oh that's there's the real song but I didn't I. Uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't find online any any helpful person who uploaded the original sounds. Maybe, hey, you know, that guy or this day in Simpsons history, if you're listening, uh, check that. Daily Simpsons history. Try to find your old tapes. Play the original version of this on Twitter somewhere. I have to say, I love this song and I, I love Cake as a band. This just doesn't feel like, again, this feels like a simulation of an older, like uh, the waiting is the hardest part when he's trying to get it, when Homer's trying to get the gun mm. and they have the, the gag of everybody walking in front of him. Like this just didn't feel like a gag. This just felt like they were like, see, he's winning a bunch. I'm like, yeah. I didn't need that information this way. I understand you like this band, but like, I, I, I just don't understand why this is happening other than to give me narrative information which is something that they're not usually too worried about you getting. It's a cool song, but I think it was just chosen because like, oh, this would be cool if we mm. did this. Yeah. There's no like comedy behind the choice or what they're doing in the montage. You're right. Just it's Bart winning in violent ways. And they're not, the violence isn't even super cartoonish as mm. compared no. to where this episode goes later. I do like seeing the animators tasked with having a horse moonwalk like that. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I could see it just as, well, we have this montage of him winning. What do we set it to? And you're like, well, he's a, you know, modern tough guy athlete. Is there any like modern song that's about running or racing? And so they find this song that uh, I'm sure is not an allegory for anything untoward. Going yes. Distance. Uh, no. And like Chris, I'm a big cake fan and there's no shame in liking cake. And if anything, they give people who are bad at karaoke a leg up. Hell yeah. It's like you can, you can do a cake song. Can you talk your way sleepily through a song? Then you are, you could be in cake. 
I've uh, more than once I've done the I've gotten I will survive up but sing it the cake way because it's just it's a lot easier. <laughs> also a good one for karaoke for people who hate karaoke like myself. You don't have to hit the big notes, but Leonard Cohen. Because mm. yeah, it's just you can just you can mumble your way through it a little bit. <laughs> this whole sequence ends with Homer winning a bunch of trophies, more trophies than Wayne Gretzky and the Pope combined, and this then leads to quite a turn in this episode. Man, I got more trophies than Wayne Gretzky and the Pope combined. Quite a trainer, Mr. Simpson. Care to join us for a beer in the jockey's lounge? I've been waiting all my life to hear that. Hey, where'd you go? Little man! What happened? What is this place? Welcome to the secret land of the jockeys. Why are you talking like that? These are our real voices. We only talk like this on your surface world. But you're respected athletes. You own car dealerships and marry beauty queens. All a lie. What woman would marry us? We're freaks. 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 Uh, and then there's a song. I and forgot then, about the song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was racking my brain of like, okay, was there a crazier turn than this in this in a non-Halloween like real episode of The Simpsons? Before this was their crazier turn. And I was like thinking like, well, let's say Mo is kind of a weird out at the end. Hmm. And I do think it's pretty crazy that at the end of the four crusties episode, it's that $48 were owed to the mafia. <laughs> I, I think that this would work better if they had worked their way towards it. If it was the point of the episode, not a complete ass pull for something zany. Yes. Like I'm thinking of things that are just as crazy, like itchy and scratchy land. One of the best episodes of the series. So fun. So fun. They are fighting an army of evil robots at the end, and no one is like, "Wait a minute! This is supposed to be about a normal family in America." Mm. There's that, and there's stuff like the Stonecutters, where there's literally an alien there singing a song with them. Like there are crazy, as crazy things, but mm. the episodes are about that. This yeah. is just like all of a sudden there's an evil society of jockeys that will eat your brain. Yes, you know, in that itchy and scratchy landed example, it obviously is ridiculous. Uh, you know, the, but it is science fiction. You're like, well, okay, there are animals animatronics we know those do exist and animatronics malfunction we understand that could happen this is really just like no there's a fantasy world that exists yeah. of magical elf jockeys and it's going to be used for literally just a like a, a small plot turn mm -hmm. like it's again like bob i think nails it right on the head my issue with this is that like this is too late in the game to be bringing this up guys like you you, you, you we've already gotten enough i you know i've been dealing with the meta shit i've been dealing with the horse races <laughs> stuff i just had furious d i don't need this evil jockey corporation going on down here yeah if there were like things in act one and two like you know, know furtive glances between the jockeys maybe some hints that it was leading to this i mean i guess what they want the joke to be is like can you believe this is happening now and there was never yes. any lead up to it i can see that being the joke but uh it's such a crazy turn that i wish they had done more to earn it i did laugh at the song i did laugh when homer like joins in like i guess yeah. i have to sing too <laughs> and they're like well what do jockeys do uh, i don't know i guess they eat your brains <laughs> yeah that doesn't uh there's also a funny bit in the commentary well here i'll plug in the song here we are the jockeys jockeys are we we live underground in a fiberglass tree ha. Ooh. Ha -ha. we earth and hell we reign supreme 
on toadstool thrones by a chocolate stream. But all is not well in Jockey Town. Your runagate horse is making us proud. What do you want me to do? Your horse must lose. My horse must lose? No whip. No show. No place. Just lose the stinking race. And what if I refuse to lose? We'll eat your brain. My horse must lose. <laughs> Did that really happen? Or was it just a wonderful dream? No dream. Lose the race, fat boy. And there's a funny bit in the commentary where I think it's Tim Long kind of jerkily brings up that uh, one singer sounds exactly like Bart. Yeah, it's like, like oh, there's the Bart elf yeah, uh, like, because it's just Nancy doing one of the yeah, verses. It's like, hey, let Nancy do a fucking verse, dude. Give her a break. Like, uh, lots of actors sound like their other characters. I do think, though, maybe this is more memorable, too, because it's not even the crazy ass pull that's the exact ending. It's more we were so used to, like, episodes that get to a dead end and they have to just go like uh and then magic happens but this is more like five minutes before the end the jockeys show up like it's not just that the jockeys are going to threaten homer and that he has to you know that furious d is doing too well and he has to lose but it's also that they are revealing their elfin world to him and that that it exists that they've kept secret all this time but then they pretty much give up their secret too to intimidate homer which is also crazy uh, i mean i do like the animation look i like the 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 back black light poster look of the uh elf world mm -hmm. but like yeah i i just completely tuned out because I, I mean i laughed at the song the song's great but like mm -hmm. once it ha as far as like coherence i was like nope I'm disconnected. Uh, I I also like the feel of this sequence, uh, the way it's animated, because it has the feel of a classic Disney or Warner Brothers short where like a character gets trapped in like a scary wonderland mm. of like, mm -hmm. you know, Sylvester ends up in the this upside down world and characters are going to sing to you about how weird it is or like Pluto goes to hell kind of cartoons. Those those ones. I, I like the feel of it, too. And I love that when Homer is rejected from that world, and he's like was it all a dream now lose a race fat boy and he just sobs like his sobbing <laughs> is very funny to me but it is also insane and just uh, like that's why i say when this is just a punchy script it feels like if you were i feel like on other days on the simpsons if they got a script that then has out of nowhere that the jockeys are evil elves somebody would say no we're not we're not doing that let's think of another reason the jockeys want uh furious d to lose uh but here they're like sure I, right. I guess there's elves yeah. why not yeah uh, and, and also it is a little bit of little people humor on the yeah, jockeys yeah. here because uh jockeys are uh smaller people because the rules of horse racing are a human must be riding it for it to you know be a horse but uh to you to be able to gamble on it so a way to do well in horse racing is a jockey has to be as light as possible while still being able to do their job as a jockey so not only are they smaller men but also those jockeys uh often have horrible eating disorders because they have to you know 
uh, starve themselves or uh, a bulimia happens a lot in that industry. It's Wait, like it's, horse racing sounds bad for all involved. It's uh, yeah. yeah, no, the jo- I mean, the jockeys are treated just as much as livestock as the poor horses are too. It's uh, pretty bad, and yet greyhound racing even worse. Really, with all those like uh, conditions, I do feel like that that makes sense for like like connecting it with like beauty queens, and you know, like that makes sense to me. I guess. Oh yeah, he a celebrity in that sleazy world marrying a beauty queen and having a yep. car dealership that does that does fit yeah uh but so the challenge is here at the end of we've get up it's also very random to just in the last two minutes have a story about like you've got to take a dive like that yeah. kind of story uh but but homer presents this information to bart son don't ask why but you have to lose the big race you want me to lose the springfield derby but you always taught me that winning was everything oh it is it is but we've been pushing that poor horse too hard. Maybe, but if Duncan wins the Derby, he can spend the rest of his days as a stud. Well, it is a good life, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> All right, well, give it a shot. I'll deal with those murderous trolls. Huh? I mean, I'll deal with those murderous trolls. Welcome to the Springfield Derby, the fifth and penultimate duel of racing's Triple Crown. Good luck today, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Bart is the audience. Yes. What? Yeah. And I, I love the doubling down of Homer just repeating it like, well, oh, I mean, I'll do and he just says it again. That is a good joke. I like that too. But but the but the reason I like it is because it again is just like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Like mm-hmm. it's the you didn't just see things in the previous scene. Homer's gonna say murderous trolls. He's gonna say do it for the normals later. <laughs> Another good little gag from the announcer, like the fifth and penultimate duel of racing's triple crown, which would mean there are six races in the triple crown. Mm. If it's the penultimate one is the fifth. These jokes are these horse jokes are too smart for me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then the race begins and there's there's I think it's only fair that the jockeys are hitting Bart back. He was beating the shit out of them like he they should be hitting him. I mean, I know they're adults and he's a child, but we then had a joke about uh, the mistreatment of little people bringing of james madison and linda hunt the good little people and apparently i like i don't know why this information is online but i found out their heights online so james madison uh five foot four linda hunt four foot nine four foot nine if you're under five i think that counts as actually sure i i saw her picture when i looked it up like who's linda hunt but i it seems like she's like a a small role actor i'm not trying to make a pun there are no small roles yes (laughs) Yes. uh that james madison being short thing like that feels like some classic harvard presidential facts jokes like they (laughs) uh right straight from the mediocre president song uh but yeah i also do like though there's a little gag of denman thinking that this is a uh, a horse uprising and he says and away i go that's fine (laughs) bart wins the race and i think homer is honestly a little too close to those swims that swimsuit model I yeah don't he's like getting that. a little handsy he needs the hover hand keanu reeves approach to uh <laughs> being in the picture with a beautiful woman again this is this goes to my previous complaint that homer's too horny in the mike scully seasons i don't yeah. i don't like it he sticks around to uh get in some digs at the hollywood leading our children into a moral sewer and apparently uh those were things that steve allen said about tv especially the simpsons later in his life and he had been on the simpsons twice at this point yep yeah it's <laughs> I uh, Caramba. <laughs> that he had barely literally said the moral sewer line. Yeah. Like that uh unfortunately again I'm gonna have to reference pro wrestling because this I was well aware of Steve Allen doing this stuff because he did 
name the Simpsons, but the parent uh, advisory group he was part of was really mad at the WWF at the time. And uh, I really love Mick Foley and he wrote his entire second book. He takes like 90 pages to just refute the claims <laughs> of Steve Allen and his group against the WWF, which though now, I mean, if I watch an old episode of Raw, I can see where Steve Allen was coming from of like, I don't think 13 year olds should watch should have watched this i think that probably he was right the thing with this is that like i always kind of remember homer as a horny uh character and then i would watch you know the classic seasons like three three to ten and what it's not really there i mean it is there in little like blips but like i guess i got poisoned by these the, these letter episodes that he becomes so horny <laughs> yeah it should only be horny for marge right yes He's, exactly these seasons have too many like debbie pinson jokes about homer dreaming of cheating on marge like it's i guess it's not that it's just horniness but it's that homer wants to have sex with women who aren't marge like yeah. they, they do a lot of jokes like not only is homer you know with this swimsuit model but also he is intentionally like i'm going to have sex with Maud flanders like that uh, this is my intention right now he's, a, he's adulterous <laughs> twice in this episode yeah it's uh and it's hardly his only adulterous term in these seasons then as homer's giving his speech the jockey show up with a giant cannon uh which that i think too speaks to how much they didn't care about this jockey stuff that the jockeys just give up their secret world entirely and are walking around with the, their pointed ears uncovered to shoot a cannon at homer it's just uh you write again on the Schwarzwelder thing it just feels like Schwarzwelder would probably do this right yeah and then they're just disposed of with uh, spraying them with a hose yes I mean, yeah the the chase after Bart and Homer, I will give credit, I would guess, to Alf Clausen for he wrote a good action version of the jockey song playing oh, under yeah. the horse chase. I, I do like that. At some point, uh, we don't see it on screen, but Homer uh, collaborated with Marge and Lisa for this jockey oh, uh, yeah. attack plan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He goes, now, Marge. <laughs> and somehow, yes, the water plain water hitting jockeys completely disables them and they're just in a pile and homer seemingly leaves them for dead in a trash bag which is another like very <laughs> uh like kind of shove in your face and like yeah who cares come on we we put the jockey elves in a trash bag it's very <laughs> dark for like homer to do that to me like <laughs> just the thought of him just gathering them all up in a trash bag i'm like <laughs> this is like a really yeah i guess it's just this darkness that's coming into this show now <laughs> We don't see them getting crushed by a uh, garbage truck, so right? we're at least spared that. Yeah, thank Seem God. Seemingly implied is them suffocating in that bag <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, also that it, it left me with so many questions on my first view. And I was like, well, wait, okay, that's like seven jockeys, but isn't isn't every jockey like hundreds of jockeys are this tiny? <laughs> yeah, I was led to believe there's a society. Right? They should well, be. Well, they come uh, in waves. <laughs> uh, off screen for the rest of the series, Homer is fighting off uh, other jockeys that are getting revenge <laughs> i also like that homer turns down ned's help he's like no nah, i'm good that's that's a cute little moment but yes then perhaps even crazier than a bunch of jockeys is the arrival of the then president of the united states Son, go get me a trash bag <laughs> we'll give you gold now that you're a champion, you have your pick of the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Ooh, can you imagine? 
her face on her body? President Clinton? Yeah, hi. I'm here to see Lisa Simpson. <gasps> you read my letter? Much of it, yes. And those glow sticks were wrong. Very wrong. So I've personally overturned the results of that band contest. Congratulations. <gasps> thank you, Mr. President. No, thank you, Lisa, for teaching kids everywhere a valuable lesson. If things don't go your way, just keep complaining until your dreams come true. That's a pretty lousy lesson. Hey, I'm a pretty lousy president. <laughs> So what is this? Is this referencing anything recently in the news about some like Clinton complaining and getting his own way or like what's what's uh, happened? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand the ending outside of getting. I mean, I feel like out of all the presidents, Clinton was on The Simpsons the most like he just 100%, shows up so yeah. often like in Mr. Burns's office walking down the street. Uh, he's at that party when Homer is Max Power, like so many things he's well, in. And as a sitting president, too, like yeah. when when they did the big H.W. Bush episode, that was it was about him being a one-termer boring old man this was these were them trying to do current jokes i mean you know a year before this aired was when the uh impeachment ended they're like ah it failed we didn't do it like that that was the last of that so i i mean i guess the feeling was just was yeah he sucks at being president or like he was embarrassing definitely it was like this is a national disgrace yeah kind of moment for that they were looking at the the i guess the the tact that he had publicly and not like all of the horrible policies and mm. uh, things that were dismantled under his reign so i think it was more about that just like oh he brought shame to the office i think a little of that yeah i i don't know Chris, you, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. Like, the, the thing is that you don't like him in this scene. Like, it's not that, like, what he did to the country is terrible. It's like, he he is the problem. I'll be honest, the Clinton thing did not strike me as much as the horse sex thing. Mm-hmm. With uh, like, I'm like, are you gonna make a joke? Is there gonna be like a Hawaiian tropic Carmen Electra horse in there or something? Like, I was just like, why are you making this joke? This is another thing where I'm like, the darkness is creeping in. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Homer's like even the, horny for the horses. Yeah, Bart is yes. really excited for that horse to fuck. <laughs> also that, yeah. The librarian, like the librarian horse. I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys. Are you serious? Like, yeah. that I, that was what struck me more than like, yeah, I was like, in general, they had always shown Clinton as like a horn dog idiot. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, that makes sense. I mean, the discreet, like saying outright, I'm a pretty lousy president is something bigger, I guess. But like, I, I yeah, I was also mystified by exactly why this was here yeah and on, on the commentary uh it was recorded again at the tail end of the uh second term of george uh, w bush when he says that they're like no he's not no he's not yes. yeah. and now and now i think like 10 years ago i would have been like no he was a good president but now i'm just like mm, i know too much about him now oh we know yeah. far too much about billy now. not just personal yeah. life but what he did mm-hmm. politically mm-hmm. and uh yeah not great yeah you, you weren't paying attention i mean like i i definitely was not paying attention to congress at the time and like what was actually going on i just knew him from blowing the sacks on on arsenio and like being a horny gumbag like that's all i knew mm-hmm. about him like so he seemed like a, a, a you know just like a, a, another horny lunatic that you kind of like in the movies and tv yeah well and, and i mean the last decade has just been watching him like go on tour and do speaking engagements or or also getting mad if he's told like didn't you treat monica Lewinsky poorly he's like how 
dare you? Or, <laughs> I mean, the last uh, the last time a quote of his was in the news before uh, the John Lewis memorial was, there was a new Hillary documentary, and when they talk about him, uh, his infidelity with Monica Lewinsky, he goes like, oh, the pressures of this job. Like, he, <laughs> he's almost, he's like, oh, you got to feel sorry for me for cheating on. Like, how dare, how dare you? Like, the he's, I mean, is he worse than George W. Bush? Mm, no. I mean, his body counts way lower for it's sure. Yes. Yeah. That's I, a big I, thing, I think. I did laugh at his, like, I'm a bad little boy, kind of like biting oh, his lip did. at the end. Uh, <laughs> funny, funny stuff. But just uh, like, yeah. yeah. What a weird episode. I mean, it's, it's so weird. I mean, I in some ways I am like my hat is off to this episode. Just like you don't expect Bill Clinton to show up in their house yeah. from where this episode starts. This this again feels like when I say it's very punchy, I mean it feels like a first draft where the writer Tim Long was like, uh, how do we and then the president shows up and he actually says Lisa won. That's crazy, huh? And it's just he's so big and crazy. That definitely on South Park or a Family Guy, you wouldn't have questioned that. But like that, I do feel like would be the thing Mac Rainey would say. Well, no, Bill Clinton can't literally walk into their house and say it. And to make it even crazier, it's that Bill Clinton walks in and the horse is in their house, too. So you can get just a screenshot of like, here's <laughs> Bill Clinton and here's a horse hanging out over the couch. And they're all commenting on how hot or not other horses are like it's so extremely ridiculous like it's more in a couple episodes we've got missionary impossible where it ends with homer dead to rights about to fall into lava and they just stop the episode and have a telethon happen that is kind of crazy but at least it's something that was set up earlier in the show and it's not just the president shows up and gives lisa an award like that uh, <laughs> standing around with a horse like that is so crazy it does kind of a your memory of the jockeys being elves because that's less crazy than bill clinton showing up to give lisa her award i mean this goes to a theory like the my theory with a lot of uh episodes and movies that have a lot of clear touchstones either either sorry either in their own mythology or just like picking from what's popular in culture remember those candy mix things you used to be able to do at the movie theaters like you could put a little like licorice mix and gummy bears and starburst all in the same bag mm, sure Imag imagine something like that except for you could also put like hard-boiled eggs <laughs> and like di and like dill pickle spears in there like it's just such a weird melange that like people were just throwing all these ideas in the same thing that make no sense really yeah, uh, yeah. and like yeah i mean like the ai thing also works too but like i i was just like why why would you do any of this <laughs> yeah like elements that could be enjoyable on their own but they knowing like the content of this episode are so again we like there's a horse race there's jockeys there's president clinton there's so much stuff going on uh there's the pearl fantasy <laughs> like all these all these things that don't quite fit together just a bunch of a state uh, fair before that, that too, that's yeah. true what seems like it could be a lisa episode then it goes off into crazy town yeah just uh i don't think it's as notoriously bad as everyone remembers it as it's just like it's just so bizarre in most cases i'll take a bizarre grab bag over just a straight up boring episode or one that misses the mark and uh we've already recorded it so i can say i do like this one more than alone again natural diddly yeah but a better episode of the simpsons would have more control or more like uh, a plan i think this is just so all over the place and first drafty to me that it's it's weird but i don't hate it as much as i used to i'll say that no and the 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 ned one is one where i, I like you're not 
really breaking any rules here. Like, this is mostly just stuff I find very strange and maybe not very funny, ultimately. Maud dying is, like, a breaking a rule to me for mm, The Simpsons. Yeah. Like, that's an actual hit against it. And, like, that's... I, I, it will always be one of my least favorite. I mean, people give shit to that Lisa Becomes President episode or, like, uh, Gets Married episode. I, I think those are so much better than even either of these on any day. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, long episode talking about a very famous episode of The Simpsons, or infamous, rather. Uh, but please talk about We Hate Movies, what you're doing. Uh, I mean, you might not know what you're doing in October, but you've got a Patreon. You're putting out so much content. Please talk about it. We love the show. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so we are now doing our Halloween month stuff. It's called Spooktacular, and we're Ooh. doing uh, all sequels. Uh, number twos. Number twos, mainly. Uh, wish This was mostly for me to be able to talk about which master 2 okay. uh, and for us to have uh angelica jade bastian on to talk about species too excellent uh, so we're doing that and we'll, we'll also be doing a lot of stuff on our patreon patreon.com slash we hate movies but yeah it's a great month to be doing uh to be you know doing what i love here and yeah thanks for having me on guys oh we always love having you back on chris and especially for a uh, controversial episode like this one yeah and uh like we said we you just hit 500 and uh, it might take a while but you might have more episodes of the simpsons one day uh, yeah. sorry more episodes than the simpsons one day <laughs> We're working towards it. We're working towards it. Uh, you're on good, and and I also I really love the Raiders of the Lost Ark one you guys recently did. That's uh, you guys are funny whether you hate the movie or you love the movie. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. So thanks again to Chris Cabin for being on the show. Please check out We Hate Movies and their Patreon as well. They offer a lot of great stuff there. And we have a Patreon too. And if you want to support us and everything we do, please head on over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. If you sign up there for five bucks a month, you'll get all these if you sign up there for five bucks a month, you will get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad free. And also access to everything behind the five dollar paywall. That includes all of our limited miniseries, the most recent of which was Talking Mission Hill. And when you're listening to this in the future for us in October, you will know when our October miniseries will be happening, or rather our fall miniseries. And that is only for patrons who are uh, subscribing at $5 a month or higher. And we also have, uh, again, behind that $5 paywall, if you sign up, you will get uh, all of the things we've been doing behind that paywall for the past three plus years immediately upon mm-hmm. signing up. And that is over 100 bonus podcasts and more to come in the future. And if you sign up for 10 bucks at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you'll get all that stuff plus one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and henry what is going on there why that is our what a cartoon movie podcast me and bob talk in the talking simpsons style but about a different animated feature film once a month if you enjoyed all our movie talking here i bet you'd really love to hear us talk for almost four hours about movies like the black cauldron ghost in the shell space jam we mentioned space jam earlier in this podcast we talked for four hours and 45 minutes about that movie and you'll get a new one each month if you take your five dollar pledge up to 10 bucks or start at 10 bucks a month over i think by the time you're hearing this i think we're over 100 hours of just what a cartoon movie content Mm -hmm. alone so please check that out this month we haven't decided it yet but i bet it's something scary so please you're gonna want to hear it all if you're a ten dollar and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking simpsons 
So as for me, I have been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast I do outside of this is Retronauts. That is a classic gaming podcast about old video games. You can find that uh, wherever you find podcasts or visit patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two exclusive episodes every month at patreon.com slash retronauts. Henry, how about you? What's going on with you? Why, you can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. You can stay up to date with all the Henry Gilbert things uh, going on. Plus, if you're following me on Twitter, follow the official account of this podcast. That's at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod will keep you up to date whenever new stuff goes live on the free feed, on Patreon, or whenever we have some cool stuff going on and news to share with you guys. Follow at Talk Simpsons Pod. And also, while you're at that, why don't you check out our Tee Public store mm. for the all our great Talking Simpsons t-shirts. There's always some new stuff going on there, too. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week with, yes, it's finally here, Alone Again, Natra Diddly, and we will see you then.